0: Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies, and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV, and video games. I'm Andrew Poxon. and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick, and hopefully impart our
1: love of the world of soundtracks.
0: In episode 21, we finally tackle a score from the marvellous world of video games with our analysis of the PlayStation hit, Journey, created by That Game Company and music composed by the wonderful Austin Wintering. Journey is often held up as a shining example of games as art through its meditative gameplay, spiritually inspired themes, unique co-op system and, of course, its Grammy-nominated score. With such a watershed game, we thought, what better place to begin our exploration of video game scores on this show than with Austin's awesome opus. And joining me on this musical journey, eh? Eh? Okay, no response. Um, is composer, arranger, orchestrator, conductor, and man who bought a PS4 specially for this episode, I'm not joking, only discovered that it doesn't play Goldeneye. Oh, it's Nicholas Buck. How are you doing, Nick?
2: I am so excited for this guys, you know, I actually came in thinking we we're going to do an episode about Duck Hunt from the old Nintendo, <laughs> but um, no, in fact we're doing Journey, and look I did buy a PS4 just for this, and um, it's been a long time since I've seriously played a video game, like I'm talking 10 plus years, Wow! but I have lots of, uh, hopefully lots of fresh perspective to add to this uh, game and great film score, or yeah. great, great game score, sorry. And having spent
0: a day in the Australian desert wearing nothing but a thick cloak and a long scarf, only discovered that heat and wool don't mix, Nick. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's writer, critic, composer, university lecturer and man whose PhD in video games and passion for music is finally leading to something. His parents are thrilled. Please
3: welcome... Dr. Dan Golding, ah, it's good to be here. My parents are thrilled, actually. It's um, just I mean, in general, yeah. Or? Just no, well, you know, uh, the whole <laughs> the whole PhD on video games leading somewhere. No, it's true. I do. I mean, I think we've mentioned this once before on the podcast. But I do. It's true. It's not not for exaggeration. You I do, actually do I'm, have a PhD. I'm a doctor, in games. Of, doctor of games. Absolutely. Uh, and it uh, sounds
2: so irresponsible, doesn't <laughs> it?
3: Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I mean, I, I teach sort of media and and screen and film uh, in particular, uh, with you know sort of helpings of music wherever I can include it. But uh, you know, games is the thing that I studied for. Well from a media perspective for five, six years of my life. Yeah, so wow, wow. Good, to, good to be able to bring in some of that to this episode. So just so
0: everyone knows that, you know, the, the previous 20 episodes mm. were not your speciality. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Just dabbing.
0: now. Yeah. we were you're just making stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're finally getting into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is, you know, this, this uh, video game episode mm. has been a long time coming. But before we... We get stuck into it i'd uh, like to remind all of our listeners to uh, like and subscribe and do that whole thing on apple Podcasts, itunes um anywhere that you you catch out of the score of course if you'd like to be in contact uh catch us on twitter and facebook and instagram all art of the score and of course our email address contact at au, and I guarantee we read absolutely every one of them. Mm. Uh, Nick, even, um, I think, Nick, you you check out the emails and you forward them all through to us. I do. And we all read even them. The bad ones. Even the <laughs> bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> of which there are a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to hear from you. But mm. like I said, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, you haven't told your friends about this, maybe you've got some friends who are video game fans mm. and uh, might want to check out this score because I would say that this score would have to be right up there mm. with um, one of the greats. Of the video game genre, and certainly caused quite the buzz uh, at the time of its release, and sort of continues to, uh, as far as I can tell, I, I there really is in the month that goes by that I am not seeing Journey sort of pop up mm. in all sorts of different places. So this should be a really interesting episode, Dan. But of course, with a different style of mm. game or, or of, of, of score, of composing, mm. uh, we, of course, need to talk slightly differently about how we're going to analyse this one because mm. this is not like a movie. It's not like a TV show. It's uh, video games are slightly different, and, and being you are the doctor of games, <laughs> um, what yeah. can you tell us about how
3: sort of video game scores are different to say movies? Well, I mean, intrinsically with a with a different medium. There, I mean, they're, but they're they're fundamentally different in a way that film and TV are not from each other. Um, I mean, in games is you know music for a video game is designed to be. Uh, interactive to some degree in that, you know, it's very unusual to have a game where the music just, you know, you boot up the game and it plays until it finishes, uh, which is, you know, if you imagine what a film or a TV score is, you know, it just starts and then when the TV show's over, it's, it's done, right? Whereas with a game, I mean, you can imagine uh, for those listeners out there who are not big game players, I mean, there's all sorts of player choice involved in the, you know, even in so far as just, the choice of, am I going to walk through this area quickly or slowly? And that changes how long a piece of music should be, if you want the piece of music to change when the person gets to the next room. Um, And so, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do that, um, that people have tried through the years, uh, and, you know, still different schools of thought, but it's an entirely different way of composing. And you know, whether that's you just sort of create a bit of music and see whether there's interesting sort of confluences that occur, um, you know, overlaps between moments that, and the music that just happen to occur and sort of randomly enhance that moment. Or whether you sort of build that in via programming and ensure that, you know, this beat is going to hit at this moment or even just with design, you know, you might assume that the player is going to walk without pausing through this room nine times out of ten and so you can sort of time it and there's a few tracks in Journey that that sort of play with different uh, avenues to do that but ultimately it means that with a film score you can just take the music out of it and you can listen to it from start to finish and that's fine but with a game uh, often these tracks don't have so definitive beginnings and ends. And so that means when you have a score presentation on a CD, as you have with Journey, it's usually been edited to a larger degree uh, than than a film or you've sort of been given the ideal experience that might be in some ways different to the music you yeah. experienced in the game. I mean, very simply,
0: uh, one of the classic ways that a game... Differs is that it might have a loop, mm. so it might have a piece of music that mm. sort of loops around and around and around, like like Mario Brothers. Yeah, for sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then mm. when you get to a certain point, it then triggers the next loop yeah. or the next piece of music, and then it loops around and around, sort of almost in a holding pattern mm. until you get to the next part. Now, of course, that requires the music to sort of all be interchangeable, so yeah. it requires it to be in similar keys. Mm. It, re- it requires it to to sort of have elements that are uh, you're able to sort of mush one into the other. Mm. And I don't think this is in Intentional, maybe it is, but in Journey, I sort of feel that uh, the entire game Mm. is built around the soundscape. Of, of what Austin has composed and so there really is no moment in the game whether it's in the sound effects which we'll get to later or any element of the game that doesn't help enhance the idea mm. of the score so mm. I, I think this is
3: sort of using all sorts of tricks absolutely absolutely and I mean just to, to give you I guess an even more concrete example of that I mean I think possibly on the podcast we've mentioned before that I did a, a video game soundtrack yes um, yes, we did a, a very early back? on I think we yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean and that's just really glorified menu music essentially what i did it's nothing particularly groundbreaking or involved but even in that game there's eight different areas of the menu and so there's eight different variations of the same piece of music and all that does is all eight pieces of music are playing at once Uh, all over the top of each other so
0: you crossfade between the two just crossfade yeah yeah.
3: so they're all exactly the same length same key and depending on which one needs to be at the forefront that's the one that's crossfaded to the top yeah it's very simple sort of almost brute force way of doing dynamic (laughs) music. But I mean, that's a very basic system um, and Journey has that times many. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: But let's, um, in this particular episode... Uh, we're not going to get too caught up into, Mm. you know, how the the music sort of triggers per se. Just know that it does whenever Mm. you're playing the game and that's how it works. And that's potentially why what you experience in the game is different to the soundtrack Mm. Uh, because, like you pointed out, Austin has sort of, you know, gone through and thought, what is the most ideal uh, musical presentation in terms of a CD Mm. or in terms of an album uh, that we can put all of these fragments together and and build an idea? So Mm. uh, anyway... uh, Let's move on, shall Hmm. we, and actually talk specifically about Journey mm. and Dan I'm going to have to mm. cut to you again yes. cross to you again uh, um, what can you tell episode. us about Journey and its
3: place in the video game uh, world mm. so that game company the com- it's all one word that game company all lowercase. case um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they you know they were really one of the early sort of indie pioneers in terms of this and indie I mean independent uh, game company so rather than you know working for Sony they had a deal with Sony much in the same way that in Hollywood you'll have an independent production company or or an independent director like Spike Lee who'll go and make his film and then he'll approach Sony or whoever to distribute it. Um, So, you know, that game company might have some funding from Sony but they're still working independently. Uh, So it's a slightly different relationship and historically speaking... Uh, led to the creation of, I guess, much more artistically experimental video games, um, video games that didn't require two hundred and fifty people in the one studio to make this massive thing, and so be very risk averse, so they could, you know, have smaller teams that did more interesting, uh, creative things, and so they did a couple of games. Um, the first one called Flow, uh, the next one called Flower, which I always think meant that Journey really should have been called Flowerist, um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> just, just add a couple of letters. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: but all sort of following. Uh, you know this idea that games could be kind of meditative—that they didn't have to be intense. You know, time shooters. crucial, pressured. Yeah,
2: exactly. That were, they... were both those games quite meditative? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't, so I haven't played the so. Flower,
3: for example, you control a, a pedal on the breeze, okay. and yeah. you sort of float through a rural landscape and eventually end up sort of in the city.
2: Um, I mean, they sound quite relaxing yeah, titles. <laughs> yeah.
3: And this sort of comes from um, – so there's a, some several key people involved um, in the, in in this company um, but also in the making of Journey, a guy called Genova Chen, uh, a woman called Robin Haneke, a guy called Chris Bell are sort of, you know, to my mind, some of the really key creative people here. And Genova Chen in particular wrote, um, I think, a master's thesis on this – um, Hungarian-American uh, psychologist called, um, let me try this, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi Ooh, is his name. Oh, that's good. And that is, that is the, the correct pronunciation. It's, I'm reading the show notes here. and My there eyes are, are glazing over. Yeah, there are a lot
0: of uh, consonants, a lot in, a of consonants yeah. in a row there that yeah. you just glazed yeah. over,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, glossed over. Yeah, uh, and he uh, came up with this idea called flow. So obviously, you know, inspiring games called Flow and Flower, um, where, you know, basically talking about um, the psychological state where you are intensely concentrated on a particular task and, you know, the pleasures of that. Um, And so, you know, these people decided, well, we can create a game that kind of, you know, draws you into it. In a kind of meditative, highly concentrated way, but it's not about dodging bullets. It's not about explosions or you know um, the the timer counting down or anything like that. Um, and so they're kind of explorative, exploratory rather. Um, they are you know about really. The connection between you and the game world and the controller, I think is something that they thought a lot about while making this game. Um, a lot of it uh, was also based on this, this game design framework, which I, I used to teach called MDA, which was um, uh, co-created by Robin Haneke, um, which is um, called Mechanics, Dynamics, Aesthetics. It's basically that each of those levels, mechanics is what we call in video games, but the, the things that, um, you know, oh gosh, like Mario can jump, that's a mechanic. Yep. Um, how, yep. how, how high he can jump is part of the game mechanic. Um, dynamics is how that kind of works in practice. Like what does it feel like um, when Mario jumps? Um, you know, I've always thought Mario, to take that example, he always feels a bit floaty and that's yep. really key to the Mario games. Um, and aesthetics is, you know, how that sort of looks. And so, from one perspective, as the player, you sort of work backwards. You see the jump, you feel the dynamic that's formed by the mechanic. As a designer, you make the mechanic that leads to the dynamic, and that creates the aesthetic for the player. And so, they're all about you know how the systems they create, create um, you know lead to a particular kind of experience for the player, essentially. So, journey is not a game with a lot of text or dialogue. In fact, it has none of those things. Mm. (laughs) Uh, It's purely about your relationship with the character that you control and the interaction with the world that you're in. Um, And a lot of this, you know, the the, the journey itself uh, is based on Joseph Campbell's Monomyth, which I think I'm probably going to come... Back to time and time again throughout this, um, the monomyth myth is 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 um, another word for you know the hero's journey, which I think we probably spoke about in the Star we, Wars yeah, episode. We have, Wars, we have definitely yeah. covered it in past mm. episodes, mm. yeah. But basically, you know, Campbell thought uh, he he looked at a whole bunch of um, myths around the world and decided that they all follow a very similar structure. Um, in terms of, you know, the call to adventure, uh, responding to that, you know, going and facing trials and overcoming, you know, defeating often the father figure and then, you know, returning and bringing a great boon and triumph and newfound powers back to where they began. Um, and this, you know, structurally journey is very consciously set up to follow that. So um, they really decided, you know, how could we combine this time-tested Older's stories format of the hero's journey, with uh, this philosophy to what games can be, mm. and that results in journey. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I, I'd say for a lot of people, who I mean, people who played PC, they'd been experiencing different types of games for quite a few years, and I suspect it's the success. Of those of Steam and and, Mm. and PC games uh, that the consoles started looking at and saying, actually, maybe we want a piece of that action because Steam and and all the indie games that were coming out and that were making big money. Mm. And I think people had, there was a saturation of those big, aggressive, what we call AAA games with lots of shooting and, you know, Space Marines and so on. And I think people were just getting a bit sick of that. And they, you know, Sony responded by saying, well, we're going to invest in our own version of an indie game. Mm. And I i think it, for so many people, this was the first time that, A, there was no, you know, uh, guns. Mm. <laughs> yeah. There was no, you don't die. Mm. You know, mm. um, oh, maybe you do you get that later. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it was just a very diff- different game. There isn't mm. official save points. You know, there mm. isn't a, a final boss. All of these things mm. that happen in so many games, mm-hmm. and I think people were just blown away by it. I know mm. I was. I mean, mm. I I sort of sat there going, okay, fine. I've you know, I'll play this thing. It uh, looks fun. Mm. And I just was mesmerised mm. by it. the sort of emotional experience I had mm. had.
3: Um, it was helped greatly by the fact that I found a companion journey, someone mm. to have a journey with. Well, we haven't even spoken about that yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, look, I think probably we should we should get to some music but yes. and so we can return to this as we go mm. through. But super quickly, I think one of the things that set Journey apart is that it is an online multiplayer game. Mm. It's a cooperative game and other players that are on the same journey Is you just sort of randomly get inserted into your game. Yeah. And because there's no, you know, voice chat, there's no keyboard chat, you're not typing out elaborate messages like, hey, go over here, or, you know, as is often on the internet, you know, pure hate at each other or whatever. (laughs) um, You can only communicate through pressing a button. And you can hold that button down for a while and release it or you can press it quickly and kind of chirp at each other. Mm. And this was a deliberate minimalism that they hoped would lead to these really positive interactions and absolutely 100 million percent that's what happened is people grew to have these incredible like meaningful interactions with each other. Because of the limitations of the interface,
0: I mean, it was one of the best co-op experiences with a stranger I think I have ever had, and yep. certainly had ever had at that point. Need so, to. I um, like I said, maybe we can talk about what happened in my in my game mm. uh, towards the end. Uh, I've played it many many times now, but uh, bef- without just talking more and more about this game, let's mm. actually listen to some music, Nick. Mm. And um, I think we might it might be a good place to start with the first track on uh, Austin's album called uh, Nascence. And uh, Nick, what can you tell us about this track?
2: Well, very interestingly, Dan, you know, you're talking about this idea of the monomyth. I mean, this game um, is pretty much monothematic from a musical perspective. Mm. And I'm sure that's absolutely no coincidence. My, my understanding is that Austin, after having a meeting with, with the guys from that game company, basically you know, came home and wrote this melody um, the same day, pretty much. Um, and it really becomes the backbone of this score, and it's uh, it's a beautiful theme, and it's very malleable. Um, we we have to also talk, and we don't have to do it now, but throughout this this podcast um, about the instrumentalists, the performers, because they bring. I mean, God, almost – I know I know. we often talk about orchestras and the London Symphony played on this score, blah, blah, blah. Um, the actual personnel that performed this score, I mean, you can feel it. You can yeah. hear it. It is so intrinsic, at least to my ears, um, to how you experience this game. So the, the main theme that Austin has written um, starts off on solo cello, quite in a really low, deep, gorgeous, uh, soulful and very humanistic register and um let's let's hear a bit of it now so lovely it's, it's nice, so isn't it? good isn't it yeah. <laughs> and now, what, what you're hearing there doesn't actually appear anywhere in the game it's yeah, almost like a true. concert version and in fact um, it actually became the underscore for the trailer mm. um, that Sony released for the game yes um, and that's sort of where it began its life and I think it's a uh, yeah I mean I think of it as yeah as the concert suite of, of this particular film um, now we've got to instantly talk about the soloists um, superstar rock star cellist Tina Guo yeah. um, who works with Hans Zimmer? Mm. She does all the time. Mm. She does. Mm.
3: Um, well, and, now uh, I think at this point she wasn't. No, there, I yeah. think yeah, I think she was mm. sort of relatively early in
2: her career mm. at mm. this point. Yeah, and um, they're, they're obviously great friends, and I mean, she she is the life and soul of this score. I mean, mm. she permeates her sound, permeates everything. And you, you 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 talk to Austin and read about what he writes about this score. Apparently, you know, it was recorded over quite a few years, and she was off touring, and every time she'd come back to Los <laughs> Angeles, he'd sort of nab her and say, "Okay, can you record this cue? Record this cue." <laughs> um, um, gorgeous bass flutes, you know, yeah, really. Yeah big, thick, dark, gorgeous bass flutes. They're played by Amy Tatum and, um, you know, very delicate harp, um, a performer called Teresa Barger. And um, all great friends of Austin's and really, I think, add to that personal kind of touch to this whole thing. And look, melodically, I mean, this melody—it's kind of quite modal, isn't it? Yes, mm. it's. I mean, it's in you know, it's in B minor kind of here, um, but it's it's quite simple. And I think Dan, you were talking before about the meditative quality of this. Mm. I mean, to me, this could—it it, feels—it feels part of cultures that are, are much older than our west. Yeah. You know, it, it it could be sort of like um, almost Japanese in a mm. some way. Um, there's a real sense of of old tradition. Yeah. Or, or sort of an old an older culture way beyond us mm. um, in this melody and I'm not sure why that is um, I can't
0: think of it either I mean I I think there are lots of times throughout this this score and we, we will get to it where it changes it. A vibe of cultures. Yeah. But in that particular plane of it, I'm not saying that is definitely Middle Eastern, that is definitely, you know, Western, that is definitely, I think there are like elements from all sorts of different mm. backgrounds in there. And it's the use of different instruments and combining those low flutes with violins and violas and, and, uh, you know, there's a folkiness to it. There's yeah. a, a purity to it, yeah. but it's not screaming. Hey, here's the here's the Arabian music. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think mm-hmm. with a with a game that is predominantly set in the desert, mm. uh, you s- could have so easily have gone into the you know the the yeah. Arabian music. Yeah. And it, it never actually gets there. It never yeah. sort of really
2: says, right, we're going to do this mm. thing. Um, it, and, all, yeah. it also never feels romantic. And I, I think because the only, if you talk about it, you know, a, a minor scale, the one note that is omitted entirely in this theme is actually the sixth. You know, and we've talked heaps about the sixth being like, yeah. you know, Princess Leia's theme. Or, you know, the, the, those sort of leaps, a really kind of romantic interval. And I think maybe by avoiding it, gives it a slightly... Mm. I don't know. Um, I, I think of it as... Different kind of cultural quality. There's,
0: it's a pentatonic plus one extra note. Yeah. And mm. and we've talked about pentatonics before being, uh, well, I think in, in terms of being a little more Eastern sounding, mm. certainly older sounding scales, but it adds in just that little extra note in there. So it's a six-note scale instead of a, a five-note scale. But like you said, it, it, it misses that all-important six-note that often colours these sorts of minor, mm. minor scales. Mm. So... Yeah, it's quite neutral. I guess that's a good good term. Neutral. It's, it's that's a, neutral, a great word for it. Yeah, yeah. a neutral sounding scale that is not really suggesting any
3: particular um, you know background or history. Yeah, I think as well that I mean, and, and you know, this is all. I think what everything we're saying um, accords with all the interviews that I've read with with Austin and the creators, where they were trying to evoke a sense of um, you know. Um, civilization, I suppose, but not any particular civilisation mm. um, and of time past, but not any particular time past. Uh, and I think that, you know, that absolutely is very true of the music in that it feels, you know, not European, not Australian, not American, but not particularly you know, Arabian, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. I mean, the only thing that I, and, and like I almost hesitate to play this because I I don't want to say this is, you know, a, a lot of other episodes were sort of like, oh, here's the inspiration for this or mm-hmm. here's, you know, the sort of the, the family tree that it comes from. But the only thing that I thought of when I very first heard this was actually um, Tan Dun's music for Crashing oh, yeah. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yep, yep. Just because of two things the 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 focus on um the cello against a backdrop of um sort of more percussive sparse instruments and uh the use of legato playing with the cello and particular the the jumping up of sort of larger intervals Mm. i mean so i thought just as a point of comparison to sort of try and make sense of this i'd I'd Mm. play very quickly just the start of, of crouching tiger I mean, that's sort of the the, the vibe of, of that film. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, look, it's not dissimilar to Journey. I don't think, to my knowledge anyway, I don't think Austin was sitting down and listening to this or anything. And That's sort of not really my point. But it's, I mean, that's, I think that similar sense of, and, you know, Tan Dun is, is versed in Chinese yeah. opera yes, in particular. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: It's interesting because I actually think it sounds quite similar to a melody in Zimmer's The Last Samurai. Oh, okay. And it's because the, the melody has exactly the same concept of living out that sixth um, is his melody you know and that's, mm. that's set in Japan that's a... Um, and that was the only the only, only thing. I mean, that could, could be a, just a scale thing. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this really has this sense of, of old, mm. old culture. I think
0: that the cello and, and lower flutes, you know, uh, bass flute, alto flute, mm. these are all instruments that are lower instruments. They're not traditional solo instruments. Mm. But I also think that they are warm. Mm. They come down. Deep, like if I think about in terms of a you know a person's uh, soul, mm. you know they always feel like they're coming deep from within, and you know they're not the sort of really beautiful over the top trumpet. It's not heroic yeah. sound. Yeah. Um, it's not sort of a a skipping fiddle that that mm. you know might feel like a very different vibe. Even though there are high strings in this, uh, it's very deep. It's very primal. Mm. It's it's uh, very human. Yeah. Mm. I mean,
2: you can always hear to talk about our old episode Gladiator you'd almost hear like Lisa Gerard singing yeah. this mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mmm mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like a little soulful mm. personal change. It's right in the human range.
0: Yeah, it's I totally think. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, like in terms of talking range. Yeah. And, you know, ex- exhaling
3: and like I, yeah. And we all I, we
2: I all think... talk in B minor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, uh, I know it changes in other cues, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. but I mean, as well, like the instrumentation, uh, as we'll see. Uh, I mean, I've also um, heard Orson describe it as sort of you know the the cello is representing the single character that you control. Yes, and the rest of the instruments uh, sort of more in tune with the rest of the world and the other Sort of characters and in, in you know that you encounter. Mm.
0: I mean, I've always thought as the flute as being like the low winds, mm. you know, and I'm talking the wind in in going over the desert. Yeah. Mm. So you know, there's a wind aspect mm. to it, and because of the lowness of that flute, you can actually hear a lot of air mm. coming through that instrument, and you know, it feels like the wind's going over the sands. Um, you have the the sort of fiddle over the top, and I think that's the the higher squawky, mm. you know, sort of animals viola, and creatures. It? Oh, it's viola, yeah, is it? Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's a higher mm. sort of string instrument mm. and. It matches a little more with the, with the chirps of mm. the, you know, the animals. Mm. I, yeah, I think it, it matches really beautifully. But mm. in terms of the, the shape of the melody, Nick, um, I have always thought that it is also a beautiful representation of what ultimately you're trying to do. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to get to the top of this peak. You don't know why. Mm. Uh, but, you know, you're going to be going up and down in the, in the most mm. sort of broad sense. And I think this melody... Actually describes
2: your journey, yeah, beautifully. I'm, it, yeah, I'm even looking at the melody line on my page in front mm. of me, and it it kind of it looks like the game a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's sort of you know there's starting from a point, you know, there's a couple of steps back, a few up, and mm. then and it kind of keeps returning. Can you play to us this. a li-
0: little bit, Nick? Here, it's. Yeah. I just think it's. Getting that little bit higher. And importantly, Dan, Mm.
3: it returns back to where it started. (gasps) <gasps> that is, I mean, yeah. Considering, well, the flow of the game, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll return to that <laughs> thought at the end of the episode. But I mean, I I'd actually, before we get into the discussion of the music as it as it begins to develop, it's worth mm. pointing out that I mean, this is this is, you know, when we say you go to a mountain, I mean, mm. this is this is the basic sort of almost genius thrust of the game is that it just shows you the mountain and it yeah. relies on that fundamental understanding that game designers have. You know, by the time Journey turns up, we've been doing three D games for a long time. You mm. know, creating worlds that people. And, you know, your average game designer is extremely well versed in how people tend to navigate spaces. Mm. And so if you show them the mountain, I mean, this is what Disney did with Disneyland and what he called weenies, which is Mm. if you show someone a landmark that you can see from the distance and it looks, you know, significant they're going to go there, which is why Disneyland is based around the Disney castle in the middle. Yeah, and why right. each subsequent land, like, um, uh, what are they called? Adventure land mm. and uh, Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland and Yeah. They all have their central, central, weenie, um, for people to, to go to. Why are towards. they called weenies? I, look, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Something so American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, are but the, are they the hot dogs? Uh, mate, no, well, they're the, the weeners. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to our American view, uh, listeners. Sorry um, folks. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, this is, you know, journey you know as we said there's no text there's no dialogue Mm. it just shows you the mountain yeah and players go there I mean this is this is this is what happens
2: yeah look I'll I'll preface this episode by saying I've played this game once in Mm -hmm. one sitting after not really playing games for 10 years so I mean I was like what do I do? But like then, you know, you realise that's the point. So mm. um, I hopefully will bring lots of uh, newbie, neophyte perspective <laughs> to, to gaming through all this, which I think is important because yeah, you guys are, are seasoned. Let me tell you, listeners, they are seasoned gamers. <laughs> yeah. it's written all over their faces. Um, so proud, we'll, proud we'll have this sort of um, mm. dichotomy the whole time between mm. me versus them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's let's start at the start. Uh, I wanted to sort of spend a little more time with the beginning of the game because i think it sets up an awful lot of what is to come musically uh you know from from within the game and so let's check out this this track called the call and this is how the well how the game begins um you you have a sort of a little opening screen Mm. you have a close-up of the sand and then uh this plays stand up. Yeah. So I what I love about this opening is you get that statement of the melody, which I think is really important in this game because, once again, we haven't heard Nascence at mm. this point. We've just heard that and you hear that really high cello, but then you hear all of this chaotic strings. Mm. It's almost like whispering, like there's all these voices going, bsh, bsh,
1: bsh, 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 <laughs>
0: over the top and you see a little light fly over the desert yeah. and uh, over what looks like could be graves don't know there's stones in the in the sand and it all coalesces into that mm. and then your guy stands up so i just love that idea that as the little uh, the little light flies over you do get a full rendition of the melody yeah it is played not in time And you hear all these whispering. The fact that there could be all of these many souls around here, Mm. Um, but but the the shape is there. The shape is there, absolutely. And um, like you, you pointed out, Nick. You're then well, what now? You know, it doesn't say now. This is a game about this, you know. And um, yeah, uh, to
2: me that was a really great opening. I I mm. was not quite sure what to expect, and it's Mm. it had all this sort of rush of excitement, and then just like. Yeah. yeah, it was like a, a, a it's like yeah, clean slate. Kind yeah, of thing, it is. Like, a, it
3: is a clean slate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- like, I, I think of comparing it to the opening of Close Encounters with the great "Let There Be Light" cue. Sort of, you know, where John Williams just starts with a huge orchestral like. Blah!
2: you know that's probably the closest thing the yeah, only yeah. other thing I thought of was do you guys remember the film Stargate oh yeah, yeah when yeah. they go through the Stargate it just mm. has this sort of you yep. mm. a cacophony of orchestral kind of mm. sound then just bleh, they're mm. out and they're sort of bit, whoa mm. where the hell am I
3: And to begin this way, I mean, it, it, look, it, it's a little bit like a curtain raiser or something theatrical in that sense, but it's also kind of like it just cleans everything. It's like the sounds you've heard throughout your day, the sounds of the PlayStation starting up because mm. they make noise when they start up. <laughs> they, they all have a starting tone. Mm. Um, and, you know, sort of like the music you might have been listening to or whatever, like, you know, that's done. We're, we're now in the game and this has sort of cleaned everything out. Yep. And now we're beginning. And importantly... As you get
0: up, it's silence. Mm. You just hear the crunching of the sand under your feet. And there is no music. Mm. There's nothing to su- suggest what's happening. And through the game design, you see on top of the hill in front of you, one of these little um, you mm. know, markers. And of course, being yeah. a human, you just want to head towards it. Mm. Now, one of the more clever parts of the game <laughs> is that it doesn't force you to go up to that place, but I did, Mm. and whatever it is about my OCD, I (laughs) head up up straight between the two little markers, because I want to go between them for some reason, and as it does that, uh, you first see the mountain, and, and this music plays... so it's only just the smallest mm. fragment mm. of the melody mm. and it sort of reveals that beautiful sort of mountain in mm. front of you and it's yeah but you're only getting sort of a little fragment of what's of what's going on
3: mm. absolutely I, I mean i think you know this track is called the call yes <laughs> and it's i mean this is the call of the mountain in one way but it's also once again as we will discuss throughout this episode you know, quite a lot of the track titles are taken directly from Joseph Campbell's Monomyth and this one being the first example of that in that there is the call to adventure, which is the key, the key first stage in the Monomyth, which is when your average hero is hanging around Hobbiton or, uh, you know, uh, harvest, <laughs> harvesting moisture on or Tatooine. In the, d- just in,
2: in the desert wearing too much clothing, like yeah. yeah. a woolly yeah. yeah. scarf yeah. or whatever yep. it is. <laughs>
3: uh, And they are called out of that life to yes. go and do something um and so you know
2: and isn't that. it great how the game does it without saying anything yeah i mean mm. uh, there's a bit of it's visuals and a bit of sound design and, and, and music mm. really piques that curiosity in you yeah. as a player mm, to go. Explore. and this is
3: this is intrinsically human you know the the point that you were making before about the need to climb up the mountain to the need to see what's on the other side of the sand June. yes i mean my <laughs> my phd was actually about space in video games. So how spatial design works. Um, So I've read far too much about this, but there's this interesting thing called um, prospect refuge theory, which is just a theory. There's no way to prove it. It's evolutionary psychology, which is tenuous at the best of times, (laughs) but it explains a lot. And it's useful for architects and spatial designers where that humans are intrinsically attracted to places that are high in prospect and refuge. So in other words, we can see a lot, but we're also safe. So think of being in the mouth of a cave. We can hide in the cave, but we can look out, out onto you know, the prospect. Or at the beach, you can see all the sea in front of you, but you've got the safety of the- Of land. Know, of land <laughs> behind you. Or the need to look over a vista on the top of a mountain. You see a high spot. You want to be up the top of it, right? So you can see the world around you, but you're sort of safe and protected. And people do that in 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 um, museum design, in theme park design, and in video game design. And this yeah. is just you it's know, so one true. Of those. Like
2: people don't feel trapped when they're yeah. on the top of a mountain. No, yeah. they, they feel trapped in a cave where they can't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny yeah. That. Uh, now, this
0: brings us to an important element in in this game, in that it is not just the score that is providing all of these musical markers throughout our journey; it is also the the sound. Design the sound effects that happen. Mm. So these are separate to to Austin's uh, score. But I do wonder how closely he worked with the sound sound effect or sound design department. Apparently very closely. Yeah, I mean, it it must be. I mean, Mm. because what happens, of course, is that the first thing you come to after you've gone over the hill and you've seen the mountain is that you are somewhat directed through very fancy uh, level design uh, to find a little floating glyph that is out on a little um, piece of broken down, you know, uh, looks like a ruin. And it you just walk up to it. And the sound that plays when you receive this glyph, it's like a little magic thing. it's what gives you your scarf, the very famous scarf, uh, its sounds match the same sound world as the score. So you once again, you feel that the score is intrinsically linked with the elements within the game. So
2: they're basically the same notes, yeah, the same pentatonic notes. plus ones. yeah,
0: exactly. So they're choosing elements from that scale the entire time. Yeah. And uh, here's a little example of it. So you are getting those sort of like swirly notes, those you know high little flute wow going mm. off, and mm. these are all little sound effects that are sort mm. of triggering through throughout the game as you pick up things mm. um, through there. So I just think it's really lovely how the whole thing sort of melds. It doesn't, you can't hear the seams mm. between the soundtrack and the and mm. the sound effects. Uh, yeah,
2: I think apart from really obvious things like wind and the shuffle of your feet, uh, to me, like uh, uh, yeah. It, it just all had a, a one big homogenous sort of uh, sonic canvas to me. Mm. It all kind of felt part of the same thing. I, I was really often blurred between where's score and mm. where's just sound design and stuff. Yeah, so I mean it, uh, the sound
3: designer is um, a guy called Steve Johnson uh, and I, yeah, I thought it was just probably worth mentioning him because apparently he and Austin worked incredibly closely on this game. Route. so that makes a lot of sense.
0: Now, of course, we continue on in our journey, and we get to what is called the First Confluence. And this is really the the first time that we meet, um, I don't know, what would you call them? They're sort of like the journey gods, or yeah. they're the journey... They're, I mean, I th- I've heard people describe them as ancestors. Yeah, that's a better way of thinking yeah. about it, Yeah. Um, but they come to you in sort of visions, mm. I guess. And uh, this is where you, uh, for people who've played the game, you you kneel down just as you're about to enter a level, a very gamey way of saying it, but you're about to enter a new area and you sort of kneel down at a uh, like a shrine or something. Mm. Um, and these visions, these ancestors come to you. And um, we get sort of, once again, interesting versions of this melody where the ultimate narrative of this is that these... Elders, these ancestors are coming to you and they're saying here is the journey laid out before you mm. and they show you visually, once again, there's no talking, there's no, no writing, um, they show you little uh, pictographs of the sort of thing that you're about to embark on mm. and it's all quite mysterious and you get this particular track that plays over the top of it.
2: I find really interesting is that in the previous episode, Dan, you were telling us about your um, your remedial massage <laughs> music experience of yeah. hearing a part of Gladiator. Yeah. Um. I mean, to me, a track like that, especially with all the sound effects and yeah. the birds chirping, I mean, add a bit of running water. I mean, mm. I could totally see myself, you know, going to some some mm. day spa, chilling out. Mm. And I mean, this this is not this is no derogatory comment on yeah. the music. Just that really relaxing. Yeah. Really, kind of. I mean, you said it earlier, meditative quality. Yeah. I could totally, you know, and I think get, get a massage and just chill out to that stuff. I, th- very I think the relaxing. other thing that's worth
3: emphasising that relates to that is the orchestration is that it's really very sparse, and there's a lot more uh, like electronic elements in there <laughs> at this point, and that's worth pointing out. I think because it does end up so heavily orchestral by the, the end, end yeah. of the mm-hmm. game. But
2: here, it's just it's just sort of like a wash of yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of pad, paddy yeah. kind of. And I think
0: importantly, there's no rhythm. There's no inherent rhythm. You can't tap along to what has just happened. Mm. So in fact, it's there, are, there is no chance. downbeat mm.
2: anywhere so far. No, almost. 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 No, no, absolutely you know. not. So yeah, it's really <laughs> we, we, just. We sort wouldn't, of... would we do, be doing this live in concert. Have, have they done it? live? Yeah, they inter- have.
0: Interestingly, so so Austin, um, I'm I'm a good friend of Austin, by the way. That's probably a nice little uh, thing to throw out there at this point. But um, the there is a he, he conducts a live version of this uh, video game where someone from the audience actually gets up and plays the game wow. on stage, mm. and you know runs all the way through from start to finish and then the orchestra that he has, and it's a um, special group of musicians who know how to sort of loop various points and so yeah. on. And Austin always conducts these. And um, yeah, they perform the whole thing live from start to finish. So apparently they're quite quite phenomenal, you know, mm. sort of experiences. And so does he
2: does he do a one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know through these bits. Did I've he just never like actually... circle his hands. Yeah, sort of in the
0: I'd love to see. Yeah. Maybe we should ask him. Yeah, um, but yeah, curious. it's uh, I'm not sure how these bits get done. I mean, yeah. I, my suspicion, I really could be wrong here. My suspicion is that there is that drone note going mm. and that you just point, this is going to sound really wrong, but you point to the flute and say, mm. play your little fragment. Yep. You know, And it could be in a free the, time. The, the, yeah, free yeah. time. Yeah. I think most of this, I would be very surprised if it's conducted as beats. Yep. I think it's more at this point, cueing people in. Yep. Mm. Um, I mean, Nick, you're a conductor, you probably know more technique yeah, and, and around this. but You're right.
2: There'd be a lot of freedom for the individual musicians yes. um, yeah, to, yeah. to just, yeah. Not jam out, but you know yeah., yeah. yeah. Um, yeah meander <laughs> on their on their bits riff. Riff yeah, yeah. Yeah. riff out on that yeah. on that um, pad or whatever it is.
0: Now, yeah. we get through that that first confluence and we see that there's going to be some kind of you know journey um, through to us. And there's a bridge that we get to. And this mm. part we're going to call the bridge. Um, they certainly don't name the levels, but um, we'll call it And, and we mean a physical bridge. We're not not physical a music bridge. Yeah, a bridge yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Physical bridge. The boss and over. So <laughs> this particular um, area starts, once again, with no music. But it does start with pouring sand that's pouring off the air. Off the and you're hearing lots of sort of sand sound effects and you're at the top of a, you know, a mountain with a broken bridge in front of you and you can see pillars uh, stretching out in front of you and once again, there's no music through all of this. And same again, you almost have situations where the melody is rebuilt through all of this, so you have uh, throughout the landscape before you, you've got these little fragments of the little fly um, flying around, bits of scarf or paper or whatever they are, cloth, and, cloth. There it is. You're, you're going to keep saying cloth, and uh, you've also got these um, larger looking pieces of cloth that are sort of flapping around in the wind. And you discover that as you walk up to these various pieces, that it actually releases what seem to be caged pieces of cloth mm. that they release up into the air and they start building the connections between the pillars on the bridge mm. and as that happens you get a little bit more of the melody each time so um, let's hear the the beginning part of this um, and this is the second confluence at least that's the track that it's called but the way that Austin has put this together is that he actually includes parts um, before you get to the second dream or mm. whatever it is um, and we can hear the sort of melody getting rebuilt here So just ever so slightly that blah da, 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 da yeah. and then it sort of rambles on after that. La, da, 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 and then and other it, little
2: sound effects it's and quite interesting how he adds in some sort of low pizzicato cello. Yeah. Just to give it a mm. bit of percussive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's as a point of difference. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean it, it, it's it's sort of building on previous ideas because we have just gone through a, a mm. an opening area mm. that has lots of these esoteric bits mm. and just by putting in that plucked you know, cello or that low string mm. uh, in there, It's now it's feeling different. Different, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, the second bit here, so you, you build up the bridge. Now, this I don't think is on the soundtrack, but it certainly happens in the game. Mm. And when you build the bridge and you start to float over the top of it, uh, you actually get some rhythm for the first time mm. and it um, plays like a little dance as you as you head over it. So let's have a listen.
2: i got to say, as a player playing this for the first time, this is the first point in the game when I, I started to get a bit excited, like just seeing the magical kind of things of just, mm. you know, the simplicity of just these cloth things turning into bridges and, and building them. Um, and maybe the music here helped, but I that was like for me the first like, oh, there's it's, more it's to this so game simple, than just walking it? around in yeah. the sand. You yeah, know? yeah.
3: Um, I mean, and I think as well the dance is really key. There's quite a few dance rhythms. Mm. Uh as the game progresses, and I think actually this area, I'm not sure whether it's true, but certainly th- the times that I've played the game, this has been the area where I've encountered other players. Yes, uh, yeah, And Yeah, so I think possibly <coughs> this is where it's programmed poss- you know, to, to mm. start ha- you know combining your experience with other people so it doesn't begin right at the start.
0: No, because I, I think technically speaking, if we're going to talk game language, this is the first level. Technically. Mm. The mm. the opening bit that we just spoke about before is, is almost like the tutorial, menu. Yeah. yeah, the menu screen. Yeah. or Because you do go to an area where all the levels are laid out before you. Yeah. And you can go back to them. Um, through that through that area. So this is, I guess, level one and therefore it's, it's the first area that you tend to meet somebody yeah. if you're going to meet somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I
2: hate you both because I did not meet anyone in <laughs> yeah. the game and I feel like I've missed this great experience. Oh, uh, you really have, Nick.
0: It's such a, a great thing. Um, yeah. I think for me the first time, this is absolutely where I met somebody mm. and they, um, I think they had played it before mm. and they sort of showed me where yeah. some of
3: the little secrets are. I think that yeah. is so key to this game. We'll continue to come yeah. back to that theme. But I mean, yeah, You know, I think the musical dance is so important because I think, you know, the fact that you can only communicate with the other players through these little chirps and through the movement of your characters, it becomes kind of like a a little musical dance, a kind of that kind of interaction with Mm. other people and that you have to sort of, you know, if you want someone to follow you, you sort of have to go over in that direction and sort of a, chirp a few times and sort of maybe jump up and down and sort of get their attention. So they're like, hey, come over here. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, th- this is also a really beautiful moment. I mean, I uh, when this game was released uh, in 2012, I was working as a games journalist rather, well, while I was doing my PhD. And I actually went to an event that Robin Honeke, who was the producer, um, she came and spoke here uh, at Acme in Melbourne and she played the game and talked about it at the same time, which was such a fantastic experience. Um, And so I can go back in time and read what I wrote up because I transcribed quite a lot of what she said. And she said of this kind of moment of encountering somebody, she said, um, when you're alone in the wilderness and you pass a person on a hike, you see them and you kind of feel another human. We wanted this to be like that, that sort of fleeting encounter with somebody else and understanding their humanity uh, at a a kind of distance. Mm. Um, And so I think, you know, this this moment... um, is really, you know, uh, it sets out journeys intentions when you meet another player uh, in, in creating this really interesting relationship with somebody that you don't know.
0: Now, Nick, when we get to the end of this bridge, we go into one of these, once again, these dreamlike things where the, the elders come along, the ancestors come along. Uh, but this is the first time that we hear fragments of a different melody. And uh, the other sort of, you know, I guess the song in this particular game or soundtrack is uh, the song I Was Born For This. It's the only one that has words uh, to it and it has a slightly different melody and uh, you actually get a little fragment of it um, within this particular, you know, little dream sequence. And I wonder whether, you know, the idea of I Was Born For This, whether you start realising... Or maybe like Austin's intention is early is that, on in the game. Yeah, that this is maybe yeah. something that you know, you've know you got through the first yeah. level, the second level, and now you're realizing actually maybe this is something that's that's made for me. And you hear that little fragment of I was born uh, for
2: absolutely. this. Absolutely. And like, just so people know, the, the song we're talking about is the song that actually plays at the very end of yes. the game during mm. the, for want of a better word, the credits. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. end credits song um, sung by the gorgeous uh, voice of Lisbeth Scott. Mm. Um, well, look. Let, let's let's hear a bit of this actual, actual track, so we, we can hear this little melody.
0: It's actually that bit right towards the end that goes. I was going to
2: say, yeah. And so du, almost there you get du, 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 that little bit yeah, there. And that, Which is almost yeah. like the, sort of, the original Journey theme, sort of upper third, which yeah, sort yeah. Of just gives it a slightly different tonality in some ways, different interval structure, you know, slightly. Um, I mean, really, the, the, the melody that sort of plays over the end credits is really born out of the... Oh, yes. The actual it's not a totally theme. different melody yeah, at all. Just, yeah, just so people are clear. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, we're talking about here being the the end of level one officially mm. sort of hmm. thing. It's a perfect place to kind of plant that, you know, somewhat cohesive musical idea in the in the head. Mm. Um, because, you know, you, you could say that every human being was born to... To go on a journey, you know? yes, the journey of life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that is very, you know, reasonably explicitly part of what
3: they're trying to do is, is you know, tell a universal human story. Absolutely. Mm. Now, Dan, we obviously continue on. Yeah, we do. So, I mean, from here we reach uh, the the desert. And we start to, once Finally, again, the desert. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, we, I mean, it starts, you know, it just continues to expand. You know, by this stage, we might have a companion with us. Uh, or we might not. Uh, and, you know, we, we start to see the larger world, I guess, and the music acts accordingly. Um, now, one of the interesting things about this is, um, and you can hear this in the, the track uh, Threshold, Uh, which is where we're, you know, talking about. And actually, once again, uh, you know, threshold is another stage of the Joseph Campbell monomyth. It's the crossing crossing the threshold, you know, expanding to a larger universe. That is exactly what that stage of the monomyth is doing and that's what this stage of the game is doing. But... um, there's this interest, just to illustrate the, the sort of levels of dynamism, I suppose, in the music um, or reactiveness is that uh, so it begins with this little flute melody, I think, this area uh, and that's actually timed that if you walk directly up to the first thing you see, which is another one of these little flying carpet mm. things imprisoned, um, the flute phrase will finish exactly as you arrive. If you don't walk directly there, it's just going to sit back and and, and and there will just and be riff. a bed of music. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no flute. flute. It'll no just flute. go back to the bed. So the flute is always going to play that melody um, every single time. But then if you – you can actually – it seems, you know, a lot of people describe Journey as like not that interactive. There's this weird, very strange strand of games culture that views games without, you know, 125 choice branches as not – not, you know, real games because whatever, Um, (laughs) uh, which is just I think is ridiculous. But, you know, I I think maybe people view Journey as being on the linear side of of games and especially in terms of the experience and the narrative that it um, offers. Um, this provides an interesting counter to that because you you see this little carpet and you, I think most people free it, but Mm. you you don't have to, you don't have to, you can walk straight past it. And if you walk straight past it, you will just get the bed of this music. But if you free it, it's always going to create, uh, this little playing of this, this cue called threshold on the soundtrack. But if you if you don't, you'll never hear this cue, mm. which is uh, you know kind of an interesting little tiny little. That's kind of cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but also on top of that, uh, if you're with another player, you're going to hear harp and viola, and the loud sorry the closer you are to the other player, the louder the harp and the viola will be in the mix. Nice. And if you're not, if you're by yourself, so Nick, I'm sorry, you never heard the harp of it. Like
2: <laughs> oh, god, my my journey has not <laughs> been <laughs> complete.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, but look, you you free the the carpet, and uh, you get this this little bit of uh, threshold.
2: I missed all of that. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's really. Well,
3: I, I think by yourself, if you freed the carpet, you get a version of that. A version, okay. Yeah, just not as full.
2: I don't remember it being. I feel like I feel like I really would have noticed that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah either yeah. I forgot about it, or yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually did get something else. So. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, and I mean, you know, it's beautiful how that kind of charts what's happening in the game because it feels much more full. Uh, it's yes. a bit more lively with the rhythmic elements. Yeah. There is a downbeat there, I would say probably. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I sort of feel like there's a bit of hope. You know, mm. and
3: positivity for one mm. of a better word. And it's in, in music a there. it's in a triple meter, it's in three
2: four. Yeah, it's mm. like a little kind of dancy waltz.
0: Yeah, it's mm. like a little waltz. And I, I think because once again visually you've got this little carpety birdy mm. you know, f- creature that is spinning around you, you're yep. spinning around it, you can sort of float through the air, it can float and I think all of that intermingling and intertwining is represented in that idea of the waltz, you know, mm. the dance
3: yeah. and the and the twirling of all of that. And the playfulness and, of it yeah. mm. all, all, all. And the doubling of the m- melodic. Lines as well yes, in there um, between the you know strings and the um the, the flute, and
0: Austin is very keen not to give us a strong one, <laughs> he yeah. he doesn't give us a strong downbeat like no. he. The you know, the...
2: there's odd rhythmic accents on yes. the other beats apart from one in that section, yeah. So, yeah, yeah you really don't get a strong sense, which is it's just so great because for a game that is very um has a lot of freedom to kind of do what you want, mm. it's like saying you can dance, but. Dance in your own time. Yes, mm-hmm. you, d- don't, you don't need to, you know,
3: pay attention to the band.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not
3: a strict time like you, you pointed out. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that bit. It's mm. a nice bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, it's once again, you know, this expanding the world musically. And um, we sort of start to get this little bit of menace as well uh, in 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 the game world for the first time because the rest has been sort of well there's there's some some carpets that need freeing yeah, um, yeah. and you know it's a bit of a barren universe but you know nobody's out to get you yeah uh, but you actually in this area you encounter this big sort of industrial object mm. uh, which is you know this first real the first real sense of menace in the game I think or threat and you know they're, they're sort of you know it it seems like a cruel device. It's never really made clear what it does I don't think. It just no, it it's not it's
0: just machinery. Yeah. But it's making an awfully large you know loud sound. Mm.
3: And and the music shifts accordingly mm. again.
2: Such a unique tone. Mm. It's. I mean, I'm not sure if menace is the right word, or or even even threat. There is still a a sad beauty, melancholy, and it's. Yeah, not Mm. quite. Not even tragedy. Mm. Um, Yeah, there is an oppressiveness to it. Mm. Maybe it's just that thick. You know, those those, and those and the chords are quite quite interesting. They're not stock major minor chords. There's some Mm. extended harmonies going on in there. Um, and the way it's – you know, you can feel there's there's the actual symphony orchestra or mm. the, the strings that, that Austin recorded with in there. But again, they're really mixed in that washy way. It's yeah. like all of a sudden we've gone from the pads to a bit of a moan, almost like a whale moan. Mm.
0: I mean, I keep in mind that sound effect-wise over the top of this, you hear the crashing of sort of gears and, and hammers and everything sort of mm. thumping down. Mm. So yeah. that – you know, you're not getting the full effect of sort of the more menacing thing. And, and I guess maybe that proves that the the menace is really coming from the machines. Yeah. Even yeah. though that is definitely changing mood, but not to the degree that I remember that scene being.
3: And I aren't you actually, once again, freeing more of those trapped creatures? You absolutely are, yeah, as yeah. you're going around. They seem to be imprisoned in this... Um, and I think that's what helps
0: make it feel menacing. Otherwise, it's just a machine doing something. But because you're releasing what old, you know looks like caged creatures, mm. um, that are very friendly. You know, uh, you know they're not caged animals. that are about to kill you. Um, Mm. I think that helps to make it feel like this is an artificial thing that shouldn't be here and it's not working properly. That's right. I think that's
3: the thing is that Mm. it feels like it's not part of the landscape in the same way that everything else has. I mean, just thinking through this discussion actually, especially with the music, um, it actually, you know, some of this reminds me of... Other video games, you know, again, not directly, but in the way that they build on the familiar with a little bit of unsettlingness, almost like just thrown in there. Mm. Um, so um, one of my most favourite games ever is um, Majora's Mask, the Zelda game. Um, mm. And basically this is, um, I mean, it's I won't go into it because it'll take up half the podcast, but it's a, a there, there's a three-day loop like Groundhog Day, but over three days that you play over and over and over again and sort of to get it right and save the universe. Um, and... Um, a lot of it takes place in this town, uh, where, uh, they're getting ready for a celebration. So everybody's, you know, getting ready, putting up the awning and, you know, um, it's a, it's a, a real jig. And so you hear this most of the time and this is, you know, this is what 1999 or something like that. And in Nintendo 64, we're working with not great quality sounds. So forgive me, but this is, this is, this is what it sounds like. Right. So simple enough. Uh, But then by the third day where it's become really clear that something terrible is happening, you get uh, instead this. And so, you know, like it's not, I mean, I, I love that music for nostalgic reasons. But, I, you know, I don't think it's really doing anything particularly amazing. But what it's doing that Journey is also doing is it's just throwing these large clusters in there that that actually don't really pay much heed to tonality in the way that we would normally expect even a film score to. Mm. Because it, it knows that you're familiar with the sound world by now and so it can throw more complex things in.
2: Yeah. And it's, as you go along, you know, the levels, it's that new, it's a new element. Mm. I I I definitely remember that moment and feeling. Oh, these chords! You know, it, it's like Austin's always throwing you things that that mean something, but you don't actually know what they mean. Yeah, mm. and it's sort of. I mean, I'm sure everyone can interpret it how how they will, and mm. that's, I guess, again, the essence of the game, isn't it? Mm. And Absolutely.
0: I think the, the you know the final thing on this is that we spoke about how all of the sound effects in the world so far have actually all worked together. And that thumping and that engine and that, you know, uh, machinery is the first time we get sound effects that actually don't work with the music. They are working against it and they're artificial and, you know, they're not tuned to a, a particular, you know, note. So it's the first time that we get something that, you know, just very simply doesn't belong, you yeah. know, in there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, we you know visually. I mean, it's not a, a podcast about um, you know the visuals of the game, but I guess importantly, we have a, a whole bunch of color changes yeah. through, through this entire level down. I mean, uh, firstly, the the desert is not sort of a yellow desert anymore. Yeah. Um, de- you know, yellow sands and and reds and so on. We actually get pink sands, mm. very pink yeah. sands, um, and we get a very aqua sort of uh, you know weird blue um sky that's not blue mm. bluey green sky yeah. um that clashes or maybe matches beautifully with the pink <laughs> sand uh at the yeah. time i thought it was a really interesting shift but i didn't say why is the desert pink all of a sudden <laughs> is it supposed to be like a sunset is that what's happening here uh
3: or? yeah well i mean certainly uh the amount of light available in the game uh reduces so i think probably i i think probably there is a sunset yeah. going on as you progress through the areas well definitely the next level has a yeah. sunset yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about that next level mm. um next we yes. uh, we have a level which is uh, called, or we're calling, the descent. And uh, what can you tell us about this?
2: Well, most interestingly is that just before we get into the level, um, we kind of hear probably the the, the biggest amount of uh, traditional orchestra, so to speak, in the game. Um, just before we sort of fly into this level. So again, you know, it's taking that kind of dance-like element from the previous one and just whipping it up into a little and off we go into the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we get kicked into this. I mean, I was not expecting this level at all. I mean, I, I hadn't seen like screenshots or gameplay or anything. Um, and to me, as a snowboarder, I was <laughs> in seventh heaven. I mean, I remember having an Xbox years ago playing, oh, was it called 1080 or s- some game where basically you just go down a hill on a snowboard, mm. like whizzing around doing tricks. So I was just like,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: this was so fantastic. And the music just all of a sudden comes to life and we get this really fun, sort of up tempo sand surfing music. Check it out. Just from an instrumentation point of view I mean even just think about plucked instruments it sounds mm. like we've got you know we've got harp but it also sounds like guitar in there yeah. maybe mm. like a koto or some kind of ethnic yeah. mm. um, you know bella leica it's type instrument mm. um, you know there's there's bells there's like string washers, there's, there's sort of cymbal rolls mm. you know in amongst the the dancing you know flute mm. cello um, it's quite quite unique sound mm. that, that we really haven't experienced and to me yeah it just had this sort of whole rush of excitement.
3: Yeah. I mean, once again, this track, uh, The Road of Trials, uh, is literally the title of a stage of Campbell's Monomyth. Is it really? (laughs) Like, I mean, I I, I might as well read what he says he says once having traversed the threshold the hero moves into a dream landscape of curiously fluid ambiguous forms where he must su- survive a succession of trials um so you know this is the the part where to you know to transform to become the hero they have to overcome these you know low level encounters it's not it's not the boss it's not the father uh <laughs> but it's you know it's it's uh you know, growing in, in power. But
2: were there things to overcome in this level? Because I was just like, no, Well, no, not really. And,
3: <laughs> I mean, I think the thing about Journey is that it takes the reading of 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 this kind of monomyth um, not quite literally yeah. in that it's, you know, there, there are no enemies to defeat in Journey. There are enemies that menace you, but you cannot do harm onto the world or anybody else. So you just have to hide and, and navigate past them. But, no, in this sequence, I think it's just, you know, this... This, uh, you know, testing yourself out against the world. And I think the sliding down and the music, the way that it creates this sense of freedom is really, uh, not just freedom but speed is really Mm -hmm. important because throughout the rest of the game you've been moving relatively slowly and you've been sort of coming to terms with the fact that you can sort of fly for short bursts and jump quite well but this is suddenly wow we're going quickly we're moving we're going places
2: yeah and i felt you know most of the early parts of the game like if you go to one area you can go oh actually i want to go back and check out that other area Mm. and then go to a different area here was sort of the exhilaration of it was that there were actually bits i was missing out on because you know i was i was sliding down this side of the screen we actually oh what if there was something over there and so that to me, really added part of the yeah. of, of the magic and the and the fun of it' it's, uh, I was sort of slightly out of control because i couldn 't actually explore every little frame of the picture, yeah, I sort of just had to kind of keep going yeah but you know the to me, this sequence had probably my favorite my favorite moment in the game, um, and i 'm sure it 's a favorite for many people where all of a sudden the the camera kind of goes from being behind you to you know your character slides through this tunnel and all of a sudden the camera pans kind of around to your left and all of a sudden it's like a side screen scroller so your character's sliding from right to left across the screen Mm. um, and moving alongside with you like a sort of a dolly shot (laughs) you know in, in a car chase or something and in the background is this most glorious sunset and visually it was just i mean i was just I think I dropped the controller and was just like, uh, you know, jaw open. Um, and, you know, Austin changes the music here. Why do we call him Austin and not Wintery? Yeah. <laughs> I think Andrew I don't think we ever had that. a John Williams episode yeah. where we were like, John. well, John did this. Yes. <laughs> no.
0: Do you know, I, it's probably because I know him so yeah. well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's Austin. He's our yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wintery um, adds this really fantastic, just gorgeous. Yeah, sort of, You know, the strings emote this harmony. A lot of the rhythm kind of, you know, comes out from underneath, and you just sort of have a sense of weightlessness. And I was thinking about this on the way here tonight that it kind of reminded me of that moment at the end of Star Wars: A New Hope, where you know Luke's Luke's flying down the kind of the trenches, and you get that the music's tense. Bum, 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 bum. And then all of a sudden, you know, the whole bottom of the orchestra drops out and you get that beautiful rendition of the force theme uh, in the strings and you really feel like you're floating. And to me, this, I mean, the music's very different, but it really had that same feeling. Mm. It, It was fantastic. Of course, you're sort of back to the to, to the rhythmic stuff of the opening. Mm, mm. But, uh, you know, I mean, for people who haven't played the game and just listening to this, picture that music there whilst, you know, your character is actually travelling at quite a speed, you know, and you get that point of difference between lots of movement on screen and just complete stillness almost in the orchestra with really free mm. lots of freedom.
0: You know what I think it actually invokes is I don't feel that moment ever feels like floating. Mm. I actually feel that the, the sunset is so stunning Mm. Like it sounds a bit ridiculous to talk about a sunset within the video game mm. but it's such a <laughs> stunning scene mm. and a stunning camera angle that I forget I have a character <laughs> at that point yeah and yeah. all I'm staring at is the gorgeousness of the of the sunset and I think that music allows you to forget for just a moment that you are racing along mm, somewhere. Yep. You you aren't controlling anything anymore. I mean, in, in, in actual fact, in this particular moment, it sort of takes con- out. I don't think, yeah. You can't really control yourself. Because the
2: camera goes sideways. Yeah. There's no way to
0: kind of steer yourself. Yeah, you can, mm. you can just sort of let go of the controller and it would still happen. Mm. And I think because all of that rhythmic music has disappeared, it's now floating, you're staring at the sunset, you can just take in that moment yeah. and you're not playing a game yeah. for that moment. And then it pulls you straight back in when it goes back into the... the um, yeah,
2: the camera swings around behind
0: swings you, around you. You and get spat out over this little kind of Yeah, cliff. yeah. And then yeah. You're, you're off again. So, yeah.
3: Uh, and I think, you know, that fits perfectly with the, the kind of theme of this moment in that you're expanding and discovering a larger universe. Well, this is also, you know, and and the speed is about kind of changing your relationship to the environment. Um, I think as a player who's up until this point been fairly secure and being able to take the game at their own pace. Um, yeah. and so suddenly the environment and you become almost as one in this moment where you're no longer caring about successfully traversing or traversing even a bit in a particular direction. So it's really, you know, again, translating your abilities as a player to the thematic uh, resonance really. Mm. Mm. Uh, so from here, I mean, uh, the game gets you know more trial filled i mm. suppose you know really continuing on that idea um of 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 having to overcome uh, difficulties to become, uh, I guess the hero to complete your journey. Uh, and so we get this sort of, you know, belly of the beast or belly of the whale moment. I think it's often called by Joseph Campbell, um, which you get in, you know, a whole bunch of myths where the hero is, you know, often literally swallowed by a whale, but mm. here, here we're down, down in the caves. Um, uh, and, and, you know, uh, the music gets a lot darker, and we have a colour palette shift
0: Again. in a dramatic way. We mm. come from that golden sands and golden sunset to plummeting down into a tunnel that's all very dark blues, mm. um, black shadows. Mm. Um, Even bits of green. Yeah, bits as well. of green. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Everything, it's very. I mean, it's almost, I don't know much about the colour wheel sort of idea, but it feels mm. like it's the opposite yeah. spectrum of, <laughs> of what we're really talking about. So, I, yeah. I was
2: genuinely scared on this level. I mean, I was mm. playing this, I started at like 11 p.m., had mm. complete darkness. I had noise canceling headphones on, and I was up to like four AM. <laughs> so it's like you know one or two AM by the time I'm here, yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean- a, and I'm a grown man <laughs> know, <laughs> playing a video game. Yeah, um, being scared. But so job well done, game company, <laughs> game company. <laughs> um,
3: so I mean, well, look, let's let's listen to how the music changes. I love those little synth figures. Are they synths? I think or so, highly uh, manipulated. Oh, they'd or have to, or? Oh. No,
2: there's actually um oh, there, we go. there was an instrument he used which we haven't talked about yet called the serpent. Oh, really? That's yeah. a serpent. Fantastic. Yeah. I, if people don't if people don't know what a serpent is, check it out. Like it looks like a serpent. It's <laughs> yeah. like the scariest looking um, it's basically like a really low wind instrument. Like a sort of a bass clarinet that's been twisted into the shape of a serpent kind mm. of thing, mm. um, and it—I I think from from my understanding—is that Austin actually sort of recorded many kind of layers of of serpent, mm. so it just has this low kind of moany, mm. Woom, woom, mm. You know, kind of sound to it, um, and I'm sure it's mixed in with some some synths and pads and stuff, but um, yeah, there is that that human moaning, deep dark quality there, which which he used. I think throughout this sequence, and of course, which mirrors the what are those creatures that? Uh, yeah, is, it, is this the level where they come in? Uh yeah. yes. The flying. I, I think. I think um, yeah. Sort of uh, the,
3: the 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 music's not quite until the next track. I don't think with a really intense sort of attacking sequence, but yeah. certainly you know you're not alone yeah. <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know, apart from anything in these sequences, you feel. Well, my feeling is of being extremely small. Yes. Um, as opposed to the rest of the game where, you, you know, you're, you're actually a lot bigger than a lot of the other things you're interacting with. Mm. In this sequence, you feel tiny in these enormous caves and, you know, the huge amount of reverb, I suppose, on a lot of the instruments uh, and the darker palette sort of really emphasises that, I think.
0: And also, I think, you know, visually, mm. like the colour of you... Doesn't mm. fit in this area for yeah. the first time. Mm. Like everywhere else, you've you're really looking quite lovely, yeah. mm. um, you know, against all of the different sort of color palettes. But here, you really are a fish out of water. Yeah. And interestingly, in the music, you're not hearing fragments of the melody anymore. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're hearing maybe singular notes that come from that scale, um, but you're not hearing you that kind of it. Yeah. Mm. At all. Uh, and I think that's interesting. It's almost like at this point, you mm. know, the character has lost their determination of the journey that they're on. Mm. And now it's, you know, a case of what is going on here. Mm. You know, like I guess, like you said, you are being tested. Yeah. He's forgotten about the mountain. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And now it's just about what is, how do I get out of here? What's in here? I'm not Mm. alone. Mm. You know, because you start seeing, like you said, that serpent is you know patrolling i guess around the the cave and you're sort of trying to you've got no weapons <laughs> so you know i think at this point the 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 mountain is the furthest thing away
2: from your mind and therefore you don't hear the, the melody, melody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's the biggest contrast both uh, visually and musically between the previous level um, and and this tunnel one, it's, mm. it's really yes. really massive contrast. So it really, just ooh, it, it sort of throws you into the deep end. And it continues with another track, uh, and this
3: is when you are having to hide from these enormous uh, monsters that seem uh, somehow robotic, or, yeah, um, at least made yeah. of stone or something. You know, very different to
2: all I could think of was the the sentinels from the Matrix. Yeah, there it is. Yep. You know them. Yeah, that, that's
3: what really reminded ooh. me of so you're having to hide from the these their their gaze i suppose because you see it clearly outlined the light and you have to avoid it as they patrol I mean, you know, you hear there was a little snatch of the thing. Yeah, there, I heard a little. There? It's mm. it
2: seems slightly demented. Yeah, mm. it's in
0: the this.
3: wrong notes, but the right shape. Uh, shape. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah, yeah. But it's certainly not the the melody that we've come to expect. And mm. we're we're starting to hear all sorts of uh, more metallic sounds. Yeah. We've got those gongs yep. in there. Yeah, we've got percussion that's sort of being hit non-rhythmically, yeah. uh, juxtaposed to the previous level, where it's playing you know a beat and a, mm. and and a, a dancing rhythm. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it sort of really helps to once again, the artificial nature of the the animals mm. uh, or the the sentinels or whatever we want to call them, mm. um, the fact that everything's sort of flurried, you know, it's almost like a heartbeat sort of speeding up and slowing down and or things crashing around like it's just a yeah, such a different, such a different level this
3: one. Yeah. And, you know, as this sequence ends, we get another, you know, experience with one of the ancestors uh, in these confluences. uh, And you get this, uh, you know, really achingly beautiful string writing, actually, which I just want to play a, a short grab of. And, I mean, when I, when I actually played through this game for the first time, the only piece of music, um, before consciously reflecting on any of it, that I sort of really came to mind was uh, a piece by Avo Pitt, um, his Cantus in Memory of Benjamin Britten, which ah, is yes. a, a, just a staggeringly beautiful piece of music. Um, and at the time, actually, I remember I tweeted at um, Austin Wintery when I realised that he was reasonably active on social media and I thought, oh, was you know, I, I tweeted, like, was this one of your inspirations. And he sort of said, well, no, not really. I do love that piece of music, but no. So, but I, you know, I think it's, it's just, I mean, I'm going to play it anyway because I always think of it during these, some of these sequences and certainly some of the more emotionally intense sequences of the game. And I I sort of don't want to distract when we get to them later. Um, But this beautiful string writing combined with gongs, which Mm. is sort of what we hear through a lot of these scenes.
0: I don't know, Dan. I don't know, Austin. <laughs> it does sound very, you know. I mean, by no means am I suggesting that you know, Austin's listened to this and recreated mm. it, but you know, certainly this. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's mm. that idea of strings that don't have a easy to uh, talk, you know, tap along to rhythm. Yeah. Uh, it's got the gongs in mm. there, and just that alone means that you know, in many ways, that piece could in the right key exist Hmm. within Journey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the, it's the 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 falling layers of, of strings, often in de- different tempi. Mm. You know, the violins are doo-doo, 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 sort of like this, and the the underlying harmony is moving at a different pace, often in a different sort of direction. Sometimes, mm. um, and I, I, I James Horner does a lot of stuff like this, often in really kind of like tragic scenes. And I, I can think of bits in Braveheart, bits in Legends of the Fall, where you know it's either leading up to a death sequence or something, where it's just it's really pulling. At, at their emotional core, and it's it's building, it's growing, it's leading to something, but you're not quite sure when, mm. and it's it's a bit sort of aimless, but you know, building at the same time. It's, mm. it's quite a unique way of writing, and it's mm. it's perfect for a game like this. Perfect. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Really, like you know, huge clusters to my ear. Anyway, I'd, yeah, I don't even know if I really have the musical language to describe what's happening here, but it just sounds you know, so beautiful in yeah. that lovely punctuation of the, the gongs as well. Yeah. Or um tubular bells or something in that. Pe- Probably piece? Piece of both, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now of course, uh, when we get through all of that is um before we move from those tunnels, is there that moment where you slide down the am I getting this out of order? No. Where you slide down um, getting being chased by one of the monsters and a big energy wall goes up behind you as you slide Oh yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's end of that that's sequence. in the end of the sequence. That's yeah, just yeah, before yeah. the music, we just yeah. About. There we go. Okay. So I remember that being like a real heart stopping moment. You're talking Nick about you know sort of being genuinely scared. I I just was totally bought into this moment where you're being chased right at the end, and um, the red dot is over the top of you. Yeah. And you can't get away from it. Yeah. And you go, you know, sailing into the, you know, one of these little shrines, and just as you pass the threshold, um, mm. a big wall, like an energy barrier, mm. sort of, you know, fires up, almost like the ancestors have come in and, mm. and you know, protected you mm. at the right moment, and you know, it saves you, and then you go into the story, you know, go mm. into those ancestor moments confluences again. Mm. So I just remember that being just really
3: breathtaking, mm. um, you and, know, culmination uh, to that whole bit. Actually, to, to add to that, uh, in my playthrough the first playthrough of this game uh, My Companion actually I don't think they 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 didn't die but they got they got
2: caught in the crossfire they in the, got in the, hit the, pretty
3: oh. seriously by the by the
2: big, uh, by uh, the snipers Yeah, uh, well,
3: yeah I mean because I think once they catch you they can actually sort of thwack you I think thwack
0: yeah uh, yes, and like and and your your scarf gets the only penalty yeah. apart from being scared is uh, your scarf gets shorter. Yeah, so uh, you
3: you know you can no longer fly for as long yeah, as you yeah, used to. Yeah, I
2: didn't quality. experience that because I didn't get caught. Yeah, no, yeah. you're well, a mad days. I, 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 I didn't get caught
3: either, but I saw my friend getting caught, and that was actually quite a terrifying <laughs> experience in itself. Because you know <laughs> at this point we'd been through
2: a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah a couple, yeah, a couple of best you, buddies. Isn't it yeah, funny? Like yeah. this person that you've never met or. or spoken to, you're really feeling like the loss of them. Wow. Yeah, they
3: didn't didn't die, but I felt for them. You know, I was really, uh, you know, it was a real heart and mouth moment.
2: Man, that game company does it again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, when you get through this particular section, uh,
0: you uh, get to a level Which I guess we're going to call the temple, Mm. but it's this uh, long cylinder um, that's sort of in front of you, and there are all of these little stepping platforms, I guess, that wind up a a very, very, very uh, tall tower. And as you go around it, you sort of push buttons and you discover things, and the whole place fills with what is sort of water but not Mm. water and Mm. either way... Magical fluid. Magical fluid, Mm. yeah. And either way, you're sort of making your way upwards. And this uh, track that is um, accompanying all of this is called Atonement. And I thought it was interesting that the definition of atonement is the action of making amends for a wrong or injury. Now, you've just Mm. come from... You know the the beasts that you um, uh, escaped, mm. and I'm wondering what are you atoning for? Mm. Is it that, in actual fact? you're the bad guy going through that beast's cave or what are the wrongs that you're sort of making up for here? So
3: I can in fact shed some light Thank on you, this. Dan. Uh, <laughs> so again, atonement is the name of a stage of yes. Joseph Campbell's monomyth. And in fact, in this sense, it's used as atonement with the father, as in atonement with the villain, like the ah. Darth Vader father sense. So, you know, it turns out the evildoer is your father, you know, that's how yeah, the, right. it always happens or, you know, in, in that sense. Um, But he says, atonement consists in no more than the abandonment of that self-generated double monster. The dragon thought to be God, brackets, super ego, and the dragon thought to be sin, brackets, repressed id. So what he's trying to say is that you're coming to terms with yourself. And this is is why it's so important that the villain in a lot of these monomyth style things is actually related to you. Because Luke Skywalker is coming to terms with himself as being somewhat villainous, yes, and is able to build on that to um, atone, which is why is his face in Darth Vader's helmet yes, exactly. when it opens oh, up and yep. in Empire Strikes oh. Back, exactly, and yeah. is and is yeah uses that and the trials that he's overcome before them to become the hero and to become I guess righteous or something <laughs> like that, and so coming to terms with the villainy of yourself, I suppose, mm. um, but also overcoming it in a, in a very direct sense usually. And so here I think, you know, um, when we're talking about atonement for music, we're, we're, we're talking about that, you know, we've been through the, the belly of the whale. We've sort of escaped that with the help of our ancestors and now we're building ourselves back up again for the final
2: perilous... Final hurrah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah right. Oh, so I, I thought atonement was uh, using typewriter in your film school. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> All the nerds
0: out there just went, ooh. I'm just going to, uh, you know, move this out of the music category at, at Apple Podcasts and move it straight into the comedy yeah. section there. <laughs> it's quite a serious <laughs> game. I'm just going to lie to yeah, yeah, yeah. guys. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, if you if you like gongs, Dan, then this yeah. is this is the level of for them. you. Um, I think this is the part in the game that really does take a right-hand turn into very eastern Mm. sounds and uh, let's have a listen here to cut that off there, but uh, I I think that this is the piece that, that could have been written by Tan hmm Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. feels like it could be out of Hero, it could mm. be out of, uh, you know, one of his other films, The Banquet even. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it just feels more Eastern. Mm-hmm. And when you are heading through the level, I think that there are all sorts of, you know, we talk about atonement. I'm th- sort of thinking the idea of, you know, Buddhist monks, Through all of this You are in a temple You are making your way Sort of I guess Upwards To Nirvana And uh, I think even from a a Visual point of view Everything goes Very red Mm. And very gold And you think about The two Sort of really important Colours in Chinese um, You know Culture And that is uh, the red and the gold. You know, it's used around Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year. And I thought I would actually look online and actually sort of read about, you know, what do these two colours symbolise. And uh, I'll just read it out for you here. So red symbolises good fortune and happiness in Chinese culture and is found everywhere during the Chinese New Year. Uh, Customarily on Chinese New Year, the elders give the younger ones a red envelope to welcome in the New Year. So we have our elders helping the younger (laughs) ones. Um, These envelopes signify blessings. The red envelope is also a symbol of prosperity. So we've got our red cape and our red um, scarf that's sort of showing how well we're doing throughout all of it. And red is also the colour of Chinese weddings, representing good luck, joy and happiness, and thus red should not be worn at funerals. Now, interestingly, gold is often matched with red, but it also has some very different ideas. So it's considered the most beautiful colour, so that's interesting. This entire sort of, um, you know, uh, temple is sort of got lots of gold colours and shiny things, and the liquid that is sort of coming up is sort of this golden essence that's sort of coming up. And with the Chinese saying, yellow generates yin and yang, implies that yellow is the centre of everything. Yellow symbolises good luck, and is sometimes paired with red in the place of gold, which we've just spoken about. It also represents free Freedom from worldly cares and is thus utilized in Buddhism. Uh, Monks' garments are yellow, as are elements of Buddhist temples representing strict austerity. So we have the idea of prosperity with red Mm. and austerity with gold. And I think. When you combine that with very Eastern-sounding uh, soundtrack and gongs and and sort of, you know, that buzzy sort of wind sound and and that sort of Tandun-esque, you know, uh, cello and the fact that this melody is quite different as well. It sort of feels like a, a melody of a... I think, know, it's, I think it's
2: the viola here.
0: Oh, it's a viola, is it? Sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's, it feels like a, a more traditional hero making their way out. And at, like I said, you ascend up through the, the temple. And I think... All all of this is working together to, to help sort of paint a picture that I believe is both, certainly to a Western player, would feel quite exotic mm. um, but at the same time it's not screaming, I'm making it sound like it's just overtly yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Chinese Buddhist level mm. but I think that there, it is taking elements from those cultures mm. as it has been taking elements from all sorts of cultures mm. throughout the game and giving you an idea of different cultures um, you know, versions of journeys so mm. I think it's just a really lovely little moment there. Now of course we get to the top of the temple and mm. we have what's called the final confluence, we have the mm final moment with the ancestors and what is different about this moment in the game is that instead of showing you the path that is laid before you here's what you're about to experience it actually shows you your entire journey from start to finish it shows you where you've been and you you know you go all the way through it and you actually hear within the music here that we're about to listen to that the melody is really wanting to burst free you actually hear you know, in big strings and lush strings, it wants to sort of burst forth that, mm. that journey melody, but it gets stopped. And it's because as your your little character is looking through the, the pictographs in front of them, suddenly they see something quite scary. So you've seen your whole journey and then it shows you this this part where there are these winds and it looks quite dangerous, you know, and then the music changes at that exact moment. So let's have a listen. It's that that bit there where it's sort of cut off and then you get the strings just rising higher and higher. And I've all you know, when I played the game, it really felt like that moment of you just realizing how far you've come. Mm. You get that melody comes in and you're like, Oh, I've Mm. come all this way. Mm. And then as you look at the actually you're you're not at the mountain yet. Yeah. And you realize and you get that bit where the strings just are left going higher and higher, almost as if to say I don't think I can make it. Yeah. You know, can I actually get through this? Yeah. Because I thought I had made it. Yeah. I got to the top of the temple. You know, why am I not there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And all the top of the temple has only taken me back up to the ground level of where I descended to. So um, it's, yeah, it's just a really beautiful little, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably my favorite of the confluences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, Through there. So, yeah, it's a lovely lovely little time.
2: And and do you guys think, I mean, you were saying how, you know, all these Chinese colors and stuff, uh, I know it's a different country, but I I really hear shades of memoirs of a geisha in that Mm. little string bit. (laughs) Yeah. you know of william just again in the, in the in the scale and the melody that's used yeah
3: And I mean the, the the use of the gongs in that cue in particular. I mean I, they sound more like gamelan to me. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. A gamelan, I don't think it is gamelan because yeah. they, they sound much more teeny. But yeah, they're gongs played in the gamelan style. Yeah. I would say. Which yeah. for uh, for listeners who don't know what a gamelan mm. is, it's an Indonesian uh, yes. or Balinese really yeah, um, yeah. I mean, gong like instrument. Um, so um, we're down into Southeast Asian yeah. you know countries and, at this point. And, and I mean also I suppose it's the the gamelan is. Um, Important in, in, in Western musical history because it was, you know, the discovery of this and its popular, you know, um, popularization within Western composers like Debussy um, had a, you know, massive impact on them because they sort of saw it as opening up new mo- musical possibilities. I, I think it, the gamelan's tuned differently and had a, had a really interesting impact on basically trying to replicate its sound with piano. Um, yeah. So right. it, yeah, it's you know, it's has this interesting place within orchestral music as well. Yeah. And of course,
0: Nick, we are at that windy moment. We're at the mountain. How did you? How did you find this bit?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this level was a struggle, <laughs> I and mean, that sounds so simple. Um, <laughs> it really pained me to play. It was sort of like. You know, you've gone through all these bits, and I think especially after the creepy sentinels in the in the tunnels, we'd risen up through this temple. We had the music just then. I was like, "All right, we're, we're back to you know mm. the, on the way up." Mm. And then all of a sudden, you're at the bottom of this mountain. The the climate has obviously changed. There's snow everywhere, and uh, musically it was quite barren. And I remember feeling it. I mean, I'm, I'll play a bit here from a track called "The Crossing." Um, you know, you're really just getting kind of fragments. Of, of, of the melody um, almost like disintegrated and they're quite little these frenetic little cello lines blah, 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 blah. Um, even I think maybe some flute in there it's really been deconstructed and, it, and it, it's, it's certainly tough going um hmm. it's kind of a very weird aleatoric kind of writing passage in there it's um yeah a bit bit unlike anything else and um was this a bit where you really start? Struggling to walk uphill. Yes, a yeah. Bit. You know, you yeah. can really the game feel, sort of fights you for the first time. Yeah, Absolutely. maybe that's why I found it struggling. Mm. It was, it was. I thought maybe I was doing something wrong with my controller or something, <laughs> but I'm like, actually no, it was the snow, and I was, I was getting annoyed. Yeah. Like, um, and all these kind of feelings. So and, it was working perfectly then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, that game company, you've done it again. Um, yeah. But you know, again, cleverly, they sort of bring in these little moments where, um, you know, you get a bit of respite. Um, sometimes you'd you'd hide in a little, mm. um, you know, b- b- behind a bit of rock or something, or a little ruin, um, you know. I think the sentinels make an appearance yeah, somewhere in, the, in this level. Mm. I can't remember if it was the start or the end. Um, but there, there was a, a sort of uh, quite a. Uh, a calming little temple bit in the middle, which I was like, "Oh, thank God, mm. um, and I, I can walk normally." Mm. And I remember definitely the the music changing there, and you know we get a bit of a bit of string stuff kind of come back to life again.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's this. I mean, again, you know, the incredible design of this game. I mean, it. You know, when I was playing it for the first time, it's a real like. Sam and Frodo on Mount Doom, sort of moment. Yeah, oh, totally. It's that's, yeah. Like, that's, that's, you know, a way of putting it. Yeah, like. you're you especially when you're playing with another player, and I had been with the same person the entire game. Well, at least it felt like the same person the entire game. Um, and uh, you know, this sort of like you know, if you can't make it, I'll carry you. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> sort of you know really egging each other on. I think here's a level
2: where I really would have liked a buddy. Yeah. Do you know, do you know
0: why that it feels, feels like you're carrying each other up even mm. though you can't do that in the game? It's because you actually regenerate each other. So uh, yeah. Nick probably doesn't know this, but when you get closer to another character,
2: it regenerates your scarf. Oh, yeah, mm. that's what I really struggle with. Yeah. Like, damn scarf was just like... Out of, Always out of juice. Not out of coins. What about, <laughs> um, yeah, out of glyphness. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well, so during this this whole time, you have to stick together. Mm, you yeah. have to stay together. It almost feels like you're staying together for warmth mm. because you're, the presence of your friend almost thaws
3: you out slightly. Absolutely. And yeah, vice versa. You huddle together. And, yeah, so it yeah. forces
0: you to huddle together. Yeah. yeah.
3: You know what happened miraculously? I, I feel like I almost had the perfect, like narratively speaking, perfect playthrough of this the first time I ever played it. Yeah. Um, because right at the end of the sequence, before you sort of hit the, the, the nadir, as the soundtrack calls it, and, and then finally break through to the other side in the summit, um, you know, it's a really heavy storm. And I don't know what happened, but basically when a player leaves a game, when they disconnect for some reason, like maybe their internet goes down or they quit the game or they turn off their console or whatever... What happens is their little character sort of kneels and then disappears in light. And that's what happened right at the top of the mountain for me. I was just, <laughs> we'd been through so much. And then suddenly my friend kneels down and disappears and looks to me, the first time player, like they've Died, like when Yoda dies, the Strikes Back. He just sort of uh, (laughs) fades away. Not not a fade away. I think there's a little burst of light as they disappear or something. I Mm. can't quite Mm. remember. But it was it was really upsetting. (laughs) I was like, we've got so far. This person has helped me through. Maybe pizza got delivered or something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And like now they're gone, Mm. and I'm alone on the top of this mountain.
2: And perfect. It was. (laughs) <laughs> Horrifying, but brilliant.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look,
2: but, but before you know, you get to the top. Um, you do get a couple of moments of of kind of respite, um, and there was this one one great bit. I Remember, it sort of almost felt like um, I think I think the harp was doing it, like falling drops of snow. Mm. Almost, um, have have a listen to this. Beautiful. You know, mm. it, we still get those sort of those falling strings, but just having a bit of a rhythmic pulse there with the, yeah. the harp gives it a sort of warmth. No, that's um, great. But and, and then, you know, you get this, this is sort of comes from this track called Nadia where it does turn probably the most, the most tense we kind of get yeah. <clears throat> in the game. I mean, yeah, this, this whole penultimate track on the soundtrack, um, which I remember in the game sort of comes and goes depending where you are, um, was pretty pretty dense and I think maybe this is a bit where the sentinels start flying yeah, around I as, think so. as well yeah Yeah. It's yeah, like a little, yeah, crazy little mm. tense cello concerto. Mm. Um, and Arma, yeah, once I cleared the Sentinels, I think that was the bit I was really annoyed at because it wasn't just the walking. It was the, you had to get between little moments to, to, to hide. Mm. It was just, yeah, I was getting really stressed out and probably <laughs> tired as well. Um, but then there was this gorgeous bit of like, and it, I think after all that oppression, this just beautiful string bit, which I was just like, Oh, it was almost like the sunset moment for me even though we're still in this, this kind of snowscape um, and I'll, I'll, I'll play the bit I mean here. Yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? And it's yeah. it's funny how it still, it feels really sad. Yeah. yeah. I, I almost felt like after that, I don't know, like uh, I felt like th- that's the music that would play when you lose your budget yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like you made it out of this. It wasn't joyful or heroic or like you've done it. It was yeah. like, oh, like, yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> Even there listening to it, I'm not quite sure mm. what it means. Because so there's something more waiting. I know, yeah. yeah. Know. I
0: mean, it doesn't resolve anything. You know the the harmony it plays that little bit of melody, but the harmony doesn't resolve. Nothing resolves. It's just endlessly asking questions that doesn't really have an answer. Mm. Uh, It proposes, you know, like I said, those thoughts. And uh, yeah, I do think that it the mountain for me, even when with a person, is the most lonely you feel Mm. in the game. Really, Mm. I think, and certainly the most up against the elements. Obviously, it's pretty, you know, pretty Mm. pretty blatant. But you know, I think those little moments of of asking the question am I going to make it I mean that, that, this whole music th- throughout all of this section all of this period is am I gonna make it yeah you know yep. where is the end here and you know I uh, Austin doesn't tell us <laughs> <laughs> not, not right now but he you know does like mm. yeah
2: mm. uh, let's just listen to the because um, after that you there is that final 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 yeah. push up the hill yeah um, where it's really I mean actually it just gets super steep. And I was—I actually didn't know what was going on. I was like, maybe I've gone the wrong way and like I'm at the edge of no, the world or something. I actually I should think that's, around that's really
3: back. key because what happens is <laughs> that the snowstorm just gets worse and worse and worse and eventually your character sort of passes out really mm, and stops okay, being yep. able to move and it just goes to a screen of white, complete yeah. white. And, and it stays on that white screen just long enough that I think as the player at home you think – has the game stopped? Like, yeah. oh, is it like I dying? dying? <laughs> is it, Have I...
0: I? I definitely thought I ha- I was dead, and yeah. actually, that was the point of the
2: game. Yeah,
3: right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought yeah. that's what it was. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So it yeah. just lingers. Yeah, just yeah. long enough.
2: But have, have a listen, the orchestra yeah, is really going nuts here. It's, and I think for memory, it's the first time we really get some pretty epic percussion, sort of not serious rhythmic drumming, but just like deep hits and stuff it's it's mm. quite violent in in, in a way Just sort of left with these eerie string chords mm. I think that's when, yeah You sort of kneel down and we'll fall over And it goes to white mm.
3: Yeah Ah, Incredible yeah. moment in the game Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: mm. I mean, I mm. think it, you know it's, it's, it's representative of the wind It's representative of voices yeah. You know, doubts in your, your head mm. You know, flying through There's, you know It's the elements, it's everything I think mm. the music is sort of representing all The frustration Internal and external moments Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of everything but of course, we get past that. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And um, there is a moment where you you're shot hmm.
3: from the um, you know from what you think is well, death. Well, you you wake up and you see the ancestors. Again. Oh, well, yeah, That's exactly. What, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and they yeah. sort of imbue you with their power. And I think mm. at this point, you get the longest. Um, Cloak, longer scarf. Yeah, I think you had. max out your scarf. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, regardless of where you are. So, I yeah. mean, which is which, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's important because, especially uh, because this most recent section of the game has been such a struggle. Mm. It feels so difficult to just walk. The fact that then the game gives you effectively unlimited flying power. Yep, is is so illustrative of the way that it cleverly uses just your ability. Your fundamental basic ability of movement mm. to tap into these emotional highs and lows, almost literally, you know, <laughs> mm. where, where you know, success, freedom, I'm alive is represented by yeah. the most freedom of movement that you've had yeah, through yeah. the entire game.
0: I mean, because you're, you're not, you're not jumping anymore. Mm.
3: You're, you're not even
0: you re- you're certainly flying, but it sort mm. of feels like you're swimming as well. Yeah. Like there is nowhere that you can't move to very easily. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And like you said, it's to juxtapose that with the area before where even walking forward by one step was hard. Mm. Um, And I think that's precisely what the music does Mm. as well. We go from all of this oppressive music, this chaotic music, and then we get a moment where the music is allowed to do what it has been threatening to do throughout the entire game. Um, And it gives us that, you know, that payoff, I guess, Mm. at the end of all of that. And it's a piece called Apotheosis. And uh, Nick, do you have it lined up? Yeah, yeah, I mean
2: it's it's in like a few sections. Yeah? That, that opening bit is where you, you sort of wake up and see the ancestors. Yes. So do the ancestors give you the scarf? Well, I think they're like Im- a whole bunch of nannas that've been knitting all yeah. their whole <laughs> life.
3: You go. I, I I don't think it's implied that they you know they've made it and they give it to you. It's more
2: that they imbue you with their with, power. With their power and the yeah. scarf
3: is representative of that. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a section where, where you meet the ancestors, the uh, the scarf nannas, as I well, lovingly <laughs> the call them. That's perfect. And straight after that, you get this bit where they do they like you sort of like get shot out of a tunnel, almost kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they
0: certainly um, fire you back to life, and then you go flying through the heavens. And
2: I I thought this music here is really interesting because it sounds a bit like a mirror of the opening, where you have that that track, the call. You know, starts with a high flute, and then the orchestra sort of has this, you know, sort of building crescendo, and then wipes the palate clean. But here, it's a bit more. It has a bit more of a intent, I guess is, is, is the best word, and a bit more of excitement. And boom, mm. you sort of blast it out into the level. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, don't, don't you think just the, the, that part one, just before that, that second part we just listened to, but that instrumentation and the melody is really reminding the character of where you have come from? Because yeah. it's almost like you forget by that point of yeah. where you've been. It's all about the co- I'm cold and I'm dead and the, whatever it is. And then those
2: instruments come back in, that low flute. You know that that uh, viola I mean comes is, back is in. that the most raw and simple presentation of the melody we we've, we've had since the beginning probably probably I mean because it's it's much more reminiscent of the nascent hmm. cue yeah or maybe it's been leading to that yeah synthesis. yeah like you've heard yeah. bits of it and he's like it's complete
3: yeah well I mean this is this is um, telling I mean, in a way because apotheosis is is the final um, stage invoked uh, of the monomyth of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey mm. by the track titles. Uh, mm. And that is, you know, it's not the final stage of the hero's journey, but it is the last one invoked by the soundtrack anyway. And this is where basically uh, for the hero, the hero realizes that they know it all, like that they know enough that they have achieved fulfillment. Um, they're about to go and claim the the victory. But it's now, you know, it's like... um Ray in The Force Awakens, you know, realising, like, the Force, the Force is going to help me. Like, I can can do this. I have the abilities to
0: actually take this on. And,
3: like, you know, almost, you know, Campbell wrote in such a um, flowery poetry. I mean, maybe it comes from spending your entire life going through the world's uh, mythical writings, but... I mean, I kind of want to almost over that music that we just played, you know, he he said, I want to read it almost. He says, those who know not only that the everlasting lies in them, but that what they and all things really are is the everlasting dwell in the groves of the wish fulfilling trees, drink the brew of immortality and listen everywhere to the unheard music of eternal concord. Uh, And it's, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, I I have become all powerful. Yes. I, you know, like not in a villainous sense, you know, it's like I, I get it. I know my place in the world. I am, I am the hero and I've done what I've set out to do. Um, So, you know, I mean, the the music does that and the game really at this point gives you that.
0: Let's have a listen to it. And of course, Nick, you've you've sort of uh, you yeah. know, truncated things. There yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look, it's,
2: yeah. it's 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 quite a long, long, but level and track.
0: It is it is a glorious piece of music. Yeah. If, if you haven't heard it before, uh, check it out on mm. um, you know Austin's album there, Apotheosis. It really is
2: beautiful. I mean, it goes for many many minutes, and it really um, has has a a, a a mood of ascension. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. It totally is. Yeah. Um, there's an underlying sort of you know rhythm. a little kind of groovy hemiola there at the end with yeah. mm. it's like two against three sort of thing. Yeah, um you know it's in a 12/8 kind of rhythm. Um and we really get you know beautiful long form versions of the of the melody. Not always the perfect melody but but kind of like yeah it it's, it's coming together. It's all kind of life affirming. It's joyous but still sad and to me that's like there's light at the end of the tunnel but don't forget what you've gone through to yeah, sort of yeah. get there. Yeah. That, that's to me the mood that it conveys in this, quite perfectly actually. Dan, have you mm. noticed
0: that from that moment when you realise you've got all these powers and then you mm. make your way and you're, you're sort of ascending higher and higher, that – you go through a bit of a level really, you Mm. know, you're sort of visiting all these things as you go around and there's little fly Mm. carpets are with you again Mm. and, you know, it's really lovely. I realised that when returning to it in the lead up to this recording that it is almost a very mini truncated version of the entire game. (laughs) You start out by going over a cloth um, uh, bridge Mm. and then at some point you descend down like you're skating through a various moment, oh, and then you start yeah. rising up through other things with those little jellyfish yeah. looking things mm. and it's like essentially little mini versions of all of the game. You even have that massive sea creature mm. that was part of the temple mm. um, that was swimming through things that also brings you up as well and right, it's yeah. got all these little elements. Now I don't know whether that's intentional whether I'm reading too much into it but oh, I, I feel know. like it's a just a sort of an ascended mirror version of what you have just Mm. been through. But where you're all powerful, nothing is a big problem. You're just floating through the entire thing as you get up to the summit, to the peak. It's
2: interesting. My my experience was best summed up as an ecstatic blur. I I don't remember Mm. anything of this level apart from blue skies and just like... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a good I, thing yeah, as well, I think right? this is it. You know, I can go to bed. Like, not because I was sick of the game. I, just, I, was, I was tired and exhausted and yeah. emotionally, whatever. But it was, yeah, it was just mm. an ecstatic blur was great. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think the music, the the design, the aesthetics, everything, the mechanics, the aesthetics, mm. the uh, dynamics, yeah. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MDA was... <laughs> Was in sync with yeah. my body, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it was all happening.
3: No, I totally, I'll mm. totally pay that interpretation. I think that makes complete sense to 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 give a you know how do you give a sense of accomplishment and power to a player? where you give them the same task that took them forever mm. previously, uh, and allow them to do it in about twenty five seconds? Yeah, yeah, yep.
0: yeah. I mean, and of course, it, the track doesn't just finish with that and mm. you are done. Um, you do eventually get to the summit. You get to the peak, yeah. and there the music. Doesn't just pump all the way through to the end. Um, in many ways, Nick, it, we return to our roots, I guess.
2: Yeah, we absolutely do and it, and it basically ends um, with the presentation of the melody, and actually just pitters out to just Tina Guo and her cello. Yes.
0: And it finishes cello Mm. great. One note, no harmony for Mm. the first time in the whole game, really. It's a singular note. And that's how you walk into the light. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, It's so
2: high. I don't think the cello's been that high in the... (laughs) <laughs> in um, the history of cello well maybe she has we'll have to ask Tina um, but I don't think the cello has ever been that such a high register in, in the whole game yes mm, and, and yeah, again yeah. that sort of makes perfect sense you know you've yep. just been the whole level has been ascending and ascending yeah, yeah, mm, why yeah. shouldn't the cello be
0: up there as mm. well you know I, I just wanted to sort of uh, have my one you know uh, co-op mm. my journey moment here mm. and I had a, a gorgeous time I think it was with a singular person my first time and uh, I know a lot of people have experienced this but it blew my mind when this happened mm. and we got to the top of the mountain and when it's all on like this sort of ankle-deep snow when you get up there and there's no wind and it's really lovely and uh, you realize that you're leaving footprints as mm-hmm. you're walking along in the snow and And um, you're leaving quite a trail. Now, my person who I was journeying with instantly walked up in front of me and started making a shape. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I just stood there and watched them and they made the most beautiful little love heart. (laughs) And in the snow, so it left oh, this perfect wow. snow footprint love heart. Oh and then they God. just walked straight into the light afterwards. So I was left with this little love heart. And then I walked into the light after it with that music. Playing oh, you didn't draw a little arrow. through it? <laughs> <laughs> but I just such a perfect way wow. to That's you know amazing. finish a little experience there. That's um, and it ended up being that this person was well, you know it was just a single person I'd played through because it, you can without knowing hmm. uh, play with multiple people. It was your wife um, in the next room. It was my wife. It was a Oh, yes, um, and I actually uh, because in the credits it actually tells you who you played with um, along the way. Really? Yeah, it tells you their their yeah. PlayStation name, and I thought. I actually really tossed up whether I should do this because I thought it was such a perfect experience. Um, but I actually contacted the person on PlayStation and said, wow. um, just simply, thank you so much for mm. a great journey. And they just got back to me and said, well, thank you for being my, you know, journey companion. May mm. you have many more journeys. And that's all the interaction we had. We didn't say, what's your name? Where yeah, are you from? Yeah, yeah. You know, any of that sort of stuff. And it's, it's quite obvious that both of us just had a great time and that was it. It was mm. done, you know. So such a... a Beautiful moment, um, yeah. and that's when I thought, "Oh, this game is just on another level."
3: And you know, I think as well, it's important to emphasize that this was this was hoped for. Yeah, right. That, but far from assured, people took to this. You know, they could have. There are all sorts of horrible symbols that they could have used oh, instead of. I
0: like I actually asked Austin. I said, mm. through the data and whatever else, do they know if people just. Mm. Made big fallacies, yeah, yeah, you know, and apparently it's like r- ridiculously rare,
3: yeah, which I think is amazing. <laughs> so, so to go back to that wonderful event that I saw the year the game was released with Robin Haniky, I've got more quotes from her just talking about that, and she says we didn't know how people would be in this world. The first couple of days after release, we kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it never did. We would have journalists coming up to us in tears and she says and i always remember this i remember this without having to look it up because it was such a remarkable turn of phrase she says people can love one another through this mediated interface and i just think i mean you know like it's true like i'm not i'm so not surprised that the person drew a, a heart mm. in, in mm-hmm. the in the in the snow for you because that's just you know the game promotes a certain kind of really um caring and, and human relationship. So, yes, a
2: sense of humanity.
3: Yeah. Oh. And, you know, I think that that is more important than ever to get completely off topic when we have all sorts of venues to communicate to each other that are used for such horrible um, purposes. And, you know, I think – a lot of the time people very easily say oh aren't you know humanity's just terrible we're just terrible people but actually maybe it's the interface that allows us or encourages us to be terrible to each other a game like journey proves that with a lot of thought that goes into how people might communicate with each other you can create the circumstances for them to be genuinely kind to each other and so i think that this game is not just an illustration of a wonderful piece of art, but it's a really interesting illustration of how technology can be made to function in different ways too.
2: take that Instagram.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, um, I think that brings us to the end and I just want to ask you this question because Austin does tell me that there is an answer, which is mm. exciting, which means that we can theorize <laughs> and we know that there is an answer, but what does the game mean? Mm. Nick, mm. Do you have a do you have a fi- I mean, apart from it it being a, a journey. Look, I, I mean, I, do you do you have a feeling for sort of what the game might mean?
2: Yeah. To me, I, I can see how you could totally use this game as a metaphor for any particular um I guess, you know, for want of a better word, hardship that needs to be overcome that you may face in life. And it could be you know, um, it could be getting over a loved one or something like that. I mean, I, I don't think it's specific, but rather than just you know the journey of life as a whole, I could totally see this being like a sort of psychological and mental cure um, for getting over something. It could be even an, an, an illness, dealing with grief. Maybe mm. maybe that's a better way of putting it. I think it's a great way to deal with grief or some kind of hardship. In, in one's life,
0: I mean, there are. You could even liken it. You've got to liken it likening into the stages of the hero's journey, the stages of grief. Mm. Really, yeah, maybe. You know, like I, I do think that there is a similarity there, mm. and maybe that's why it's been so universal. Why people are crying. You know, like mm. I, I think there has to be something more than just someone went on a journey. Yeah. Mm. Um, because you know, it, if it, it was it, that, it's, yeah. it's, you wouldn't be in tears. You know, it's
2: like a journey of love and loss in some ways. Even though yeah. you, you don't really. The love and the loss aren't avert. It's yeah. like I think the stages that you go through um, when experiencing things like love and loss are sort of captured in, in just a different way. Mm. Let me ask you this, Dan. Mm.
0: Uh, at the end of the game, mm. you turn into a little ball of light mm. and you shoot out the top of the uh, the top of the mountain. Mm. And the credits, of which there is the music. I, I was born for this, and maybe we'll talk about that that piece with Austin. But uh, you know, over the credits, your little glowy thing goes backwards through yep. the game yep. and it lands back on the sand ready to start another journey.
3: Yeah. What do you think that means? Well, I think this is actually key. I think if I... Yeah, to answer your, your question yeah. before about what does the game mean, I mean, I think that that this, this moment is super key to understanding what the game is trying to do because early in the game, when you start your journey, you actually see one of these same... Um, meteors, whatever uh, flying back to the start so it's implying that other people are undertaking the same journey and being cast back to the beginning and often you, when you encounter another player, um, I mean I think Andrew you said before that your player had played it before or was showing showing you little secrets, right? And I mean I think that this actually has to do with the often neglected final part of the hero's journey which Journey the game doesn't directly address and very few media forms that use it explicitly address, which is the return, mm. which is, for those of you who've read Lord of the Rings or, or <laughs> seen seen the you know 16-hour expanded edition, this is the kind of scouring of the Shire where Frodo and co have to go home because the Shire itself, their home is under threat and they have to help their fellow mundane individuals rather than be out in the world and use their power for epic proportions. They have to go home and sort of, you know, just, you know... Get back to normal life. Yeah, but, but also show, you know, um, the normal people what they've learnt and sort of bestow their their power, you know, to for, for good, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I think that actually this is kind of what Journey is about in that it's about actually your second playthrough and your third and your fourth and your fifth and your sixth and however many, where you deliberately use your knowledge and your abilities and your growth and your humanity to help somebody else. Yes. And you do this via the return, via, you know, coming back to the beginning by journeying again. And I think that that, because I think, you know, the, the journey itself can be, you know, is so malleable as you pointed out Nick that it can be applied really usefully to a whole bunch of different circumstances but it is quite general and this is why it's been so culturally you know um, everywhere right Um, but I think what the game does that's more specific than just the monomyth generally is that it sets up the circumstances for you to aid somebody Uh, and I I think that's what the game is about at the end especially.
0: I, I, I agree, but my answer was going to be that, mm. that at the end of the day, it is about gaining knowledge mm. and then using that knowledge to help others, to help humanity, help you know, family mm. through similar struggles, to grow together, to learn from each other. And really those confluences, the white cloaks, and this is where the game sort of gives you another hint that if you play enough through it, Nick, yeah. and you find all the secrets, then you get a white cloak.
2: What you become There's, one yeah. of the ancestors? He's joking,
0: yeah. yeah so um, oh, I've, I've done that, and oh, um, oh. <laughs> and so when you when you have the white cloak and you turn up um, and you find someone else to journey with, and they're in the red cloak, that you are quite literally you have ascended to the highest level mm. of. So when you get mm, the
2: like white cloak. Do you have extra powers?
0: Um, I, that, I, To be honest, I can't remember if you start off with a small um, you just look scarf. just super badass. I think maybe <laughs> there's a possibility that you actually have a long scarf the entire time. I can't remember. Mm, but yep. um, either way, it's certainly a, a visual cue to show that you've got some experience yep, in this game. Yep. But to take it out of the game terms, I I really do think that you've hit the nail on the head, and that it's ultimately a game about the, you know, humanity mm. um, coming together. Uh, you know, you talk about building or standing on the on the shoulders of giants you know mm. you're, you're building on the previous knowledge and and getting better at things and helping the next stage those confluences have the white cloaked people the elders who have reached or got all the knowledge helping the young person not by just saying oh well we know it all this is how it is by mm. saying well here's the path and we will help you discover this information for yourself mm. and we'll be there the whole time we'll we'll catch you when you fall mm. you know we'll we'll, we'll uh, stop that monster from coming when it gets too close But ultimately, you, we're we're not going to rob you of that journey yourself. Mm. And, um, but we're going to be there with you the whole time. And then when you have that player with you, Mm. I that's what I think it's about. Um, I mean, there is another area where I wondered whether it was just a plain old, you know, sort of Buddhist reincarnation Mm. thing. But I think Mm. ultimately, that's the there's an element of that where there's an Eastern culture thing there as well. Um, But I don't know. So lovely. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. We we cracked it, Nick. Yeah. I can't wait to say it, Austin. So that's is, is that what it is, Austin? Yeah. And he is. goes yes.
3: <laughs> case another case solved by Out of the Score. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think that should bring us to the end of our analysis of journey. Thank you so much for coming along with us on this ride. It's a very different episode for us. Um, certainly a different uh, genre. And we hope you enjoyed it. But anyway, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Out of the Score, and uh, we'll we'll get back to you. We want to continue these the discussions. I want to hear from people who, their own journey experiences. Um, you know. Right in on this post and tell us the, the experience that you had because I think that would be really interesting. But until next time, I'm Andrew Pogson, and that's Dan Golding. Pleasure as always. And he's Nicholas Buck. I'll bring my white cloak next time. <laughs> and this was Art of the Score.